Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by novelist and co-host Ryan Donnelly, who has driven himself mad for the sake of this episode. Ryan, I'm talking to you from the, uh, you're, you're in the, you're in the penitentiary, you're in the mental ward. How's it going, man? I am, uh, I am just barely alive, I think, Patrick. We are, we were just talking for the, the record started about just how fucking massive this SEC preview is, yeah. which I think next year we might just publish as like a, I don't know, like a digital download, like purchase or something like that. Like make this into a magazine if we're into it, because yeah. this document is at 43 pages and counting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not done. No, it's not done. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it, it is really a, it, it's, it's quite the, it's quite the feat that you have pulled off. I believe that this thing, this document that you have here right now is yeah. 25,000 words. Um, which mm. it's I, a normal thing to do. I will say this, it's about four times as many pages as the fully scripted episode that we did a couple weeks ago. So you, you have really, you have, I would say actually taken things too far with the SEC. <laughs> things have gotten out of hand. Um, and that is it. That it is just means more, the Patrick. They yeah. always say that. Yeah. It just, apparently, apparently it does to you even. I, I thought you were immune to the SEC's propaganda, but I guess not. It means more even to, uh, even to you, your SEC underscore Ryan, um, and we've uh, we've been saying that about you. We we knew that it was true, and now you're you're really kind of putting uh, you're 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 putting it you know putting your money where your mouth is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm actually looking forward to this. I feel like I do have probably a better grasp on the SEC than any league in the country right now, including the Big Ten, yeah. partially because I haven't finished my Big Ten shit, which is. Uh. a whole other problem um but <laughs> yeah i am realizing how much i have left to write yet and i'm looking at the barrel of just like locking myself in this apartment like a hermit for the next like five days so i can yeah. just be fully done by the end of this weekend yeah um, which we love to do we love to you know ignore our friends and loved ones to damage our relationships take college football because as we talked about last night football is back it's here like this is what oh, matters yeah. uh, at the end of the day when you die when you're in your deathbed you're not going to remember like what your kids smile like, right? You're not going to remember your, your, <laughs> you know, your lover's name. You're going to remember uh, what Jacksonville state did in their first season, the FBS under rich rod. You're going to remember yeah. who the second string pass rusher at Mississippi state in 2021 was and how he had a pretty good season under the run stopper, but couldn't quite get home on the pass rush. Yeah. That's what really matters. Yeah. That's what really matters. You're going to, as you, as you experience your final moments on this, on this earth as a corporeal being, thoughts of shock Linwood are going to flash through your brain. You're going to, you're going to get the, the, the DMT is going to hit your, your bloodstream and you're going to see the Robert Griffin, the third pass, but not the one that you remember. It's just one that's buried in the back of your brain. Um, it's going to be a lot of yeah. Baylor stuff, unfortunately. It's going to be mostly Baylor stuff, which it's, it's, <laughs> scientists can't really figure out why it's mostly Baylor that it happens. But um, yeah, that's good. There's no this is our there's... second uh, David Koresh reference in two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more and uh, more, more, little... and more, we're hearing of David Koresh. <laughs> I am a little bit worried. Uh, this is just a little personal thing about me here that I know you get the DMT rush when you die. I'm worried I'm, it's not going to be too too cool to me because I've. I, you know, I, uh-huh. I kind of skipped the line and just did DMT while I was alive. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am kind of worried it's going to be not live up to the hype <laughs> when you die. But I guess at that point in time, a, it's kind of just the end of it. That's such right? a <laughs> sick thing to worry about. Even in death, you're worrying about if your death will be cool enough. Is it? <laughs> am I going to get a good enough high from this death? I'm going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go on a. I need to go on a on a break on a tolerance break so that my death feels right. I, <laughs> that's, 
it. Yeah, I'm gonna try micro dosing death. Via, yeah, like I don't know, like some sort of rope and pulley system that like drowning, <laughs> but then like <laughs> pumps yeah. my heart back. I, I, there's a lot of people who've been micro dosing some death with a rope and pulley system. They've been doing that for years. I think there's a whole community <laughs> you could get into with that that would help you hmm. uh, help you get there, help you practice maybe a little bit. That's a good way to maybe spread the website, which is uh, as you know, Patrick website. It is meetupmidfield.com. Yeah. I think it's how we're going to get new subscribers. We're going to start going to kink uh, events yeah. and just pass out pamphlets. We're going to be fully clothed. Um, <laughs> maybe we wear like some kind of harness, leather harness over our regular clothing. Yeah. Uh, we're like never nudes, but for the kink community, uh-huh. um, that's a kind of fun guy to be. Uh, anyway, if you want to wear a leather harness, talk about college football, uh, leather harness not included, subscribe to meetupmidfield.com uh, where you can get 50% off your first purchase of a monthly, semi-annual, or annual subscription with the code KICKOFF, all one word, uh, all capitals. Um, yeah. Yeah, we sh- you should you should do that. It's, I mean, the board is buzzing. We are talking about Georgia's running back depth. We are talking about uh, things guys post, uh, you know, about, you know, John U. Bacon's Twitter threads. Uh-huh. Uh, we're talking about like what the propaganda is between Ohio State's quarterback battle. We are, we are in the trenches. We're ready to go to war and we're hyped about it. Yeah, we are. There's a lot of good stuff over there. And of course, we're very happy to welcome all of our friends from the audio, the auto erotic asphyxiation uh, community that we just <laughs> met a lot of at the, at the big convention. Um, so yeah. we're, we're glad to have you all here. Uh, this is a safe place for you. The message board is a, is a safe place for you. Or if you want a dangerous place, that might be what they're, what they're into is a dangerous place to be. Um, there's we have also, some nasty individuals who will be as mean yeah. as you want them to be. Too. Yeah, we do have some, some nasty individuals, but the majority of our individuals are distinctly unnasty. They are, they are normal. They're regular. Um, they are like you and me, just, just, you, you could, if you didn't know better, you could confuse them for a regular person if you saw them on the street they just also happen to be members of our message board and members of the community at meet at midfield.com you get the message board you get the premium podcasts in theory if our if our workflow actually does what it's supposed hmm. to do which maybe is, not say that yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is you do get the we'll get podcasts. we'll get you set we up one we'll, weird day we we'll get one you weird set day. up but uh if yeah. you if you uh if you work at zapier or zapier um get your shit fixed come on now uh we're paying money for this uh you will get the premium podcasts you will get the posts right now a lot of the posts are free but that won't be the case once we get into the season um there are there are so many posts i just put up a post that it, it seems like people are pretty into about uh, college football and sort of the the meaningfulness of of fandom um you are of course writing a book about the sec and people can read that in seven parts on the website you will also be doing that for the big 10 at some point as you lock yourself in the room it's it's not that bad to be a hermit it, it, you could it, you could do worse than being a hermit um there's all sorts of good stuff over there Go on over there. Use code KICKOFF to subscribe. You get 50% off that first payment. That's monthly, semi-annual, or annual, whatever you want. Um, yeah, meet at midfield.com. Also go, of course, to homefieldapparel.com, which is high-quality collegiate vintage apparel. They are doing all sorts of shit over there right now. I think they've got the... I don't know when the, 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 big, the big drop is the Ole Miss collection. I don't know when that's coming out, but that's soon. They've they've finally yeah, done the it. The Florida they've, State bomber jacket was nasty. Yeah, the Florida State bomber. I mean, the bomber jackets are so sick, just across the board. It's 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 a hard thing to mess up, but they also do such a good job with it of going above and beyond just the standard coolness of a bomber jacket. Um, but they've uh, they've got those. They've got the old Miss collection. They've managed to find logos that can suitably go on a T-shirt in 2023 from the old Miss collection. So that's a that's a triumph in itself. Um, they've got all sorts of cool stuff over there at homefieldapparel.com. And if you use the code 
code meet at midfield, you can get 15% off your first purchase. Um, if it's your second or third or, or fourth or any other number of purchase, we can't help you. But for the first purchase, we can hook you up. 15% off meet at midfield is the code. Um, Ryan, let's talk about the SEC, and we're going to try and do it in under three hours. That's the We're taking the, the flipping the field challenge of recording a conference preview that does not go three hours long. Let's start with uh, a team that we are actually going to go pretty long on. This is not going to be the standard. I'm going to try and keep us from doing this too much, but um, you hate these guys. We're going to start with Florida. You have a lot to say about Florida. What's going on here? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, look, here's the thing. Generally, in a coaching, like as a whole coaching thing, at the Power 5 level, or especially at like the Blue Blood level, I don't know if you want to argue about Florida being new money versus Blue Blood. I don't really care. Florida's a, a team that's capable of winning national titles in the modern era right? If you're going to be good at one of these schools, it usually happens very fast. Like, I think Mike Norvell turned around at Florida State in, what, year four is one of the only exceptions to this. Like, almost every coach who's going to be good at these schools does it very early on. Um, Billy Napier is looking at doing the opposite of doing very good early on. He's trying to do as bad as possible, as fast as possible. Um, This is a tough spot. Like, this is really not what you want to see from a program at the Blue Blood level. Um, They have had losing seasons uh, back-to-back a few times. Uh, They have not done it three times in a row since 1937. Um, They went five and seven last year. They were losing team the year before that under Dan Mullen. This is like a team that may not, it's almost certainly going to go under 500 and like has a chance maybe win like three games. That's in range for Florida this year. Yeah. Um, It it really has gone south very quickly here too, because they were in the, conference championship game in 2020 weren't they like they were like a touchdown away from yeah. beating that that national championship alabama team they weren't actually that close i think they got close at the end of the game but um they were they were right there with them and they were really good that season and then it all just really fell apart and it felt kind of i think on the outside looking in when they fired mullen after 2021 it felt kind of like a knee-jerk reaction because it's like he had one bad season he was in the conference championship last year but you look at the roster construction now and obviously it's not entirely his fault but you look at the lack of really any (laughs) anything worth liking um and you do start to see where they're coming from of like oh yeah he just didn't recruit he just forgot to get any players now they don't have any veterans and they're really uh, I mean, they're they're really shit out of luck with with this roster, even in the in the portal era where they can bring in guys. It, it seems like they're really struggling with this. Yeah, I mean, the bad news here is that like it seems like Napier also maybe can't recruit. I mean, he signed the 17th <laughs> overall class in in uh, 2022, the 12th overall class in 2023. They currently have the number four overall class, but out of hold. Um, yeah, I'm gonna tell you if they do what I think they're gonna do on the field. These guys are not going to stick. Like they, they are primarily recruiting Florida, Texas, and a little bit of Georgia. Um, of course, some like you know Atlantic East guys, like the, the Carolina, Maryland guys. Everyone recruits, but like, look, these are this is not a place where it's like you're Ohio State recruiting Ohio kids, you're Michigan recruiting Michigan kids. These kids do not give a fuck about the program. Like, there's not any loyalty here, right? Like these kids didn't grow up dreaming of playing for Florida. Most of them, yeah. Um, this is a business relationship, and you better deliver. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Like the benefit here is they just put a lot of guys in the league last year, a relatively like a high amount. Um, look, I'm going to tell you why I think it's going to be bad this year, but first, before we talk about the long-term consequences of this, because we can do that more later, but they lose their starting quarterback. They lose three of their top four wide receivers. They lose four of their full-time offensive line starters. They lose probably one of the three or four best defensive tackles in America last year in Gravon Dexter. 
they lose their starting linebackers, Ventro Miller and Amari Bernie. They're starting safeties, Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance. Starting nickel slash star, Travis Johnson. And then also, in fall camp, they're expected defensive end starter, Justice Boone, towards ACL. Uh, which means basically everywhere except running back and tight end is going to be almost entirely brand new. You have like one decent receiver back, one decent defensive end. I think your tight end's fine. Um, they have a one good corner who is good most of the time. But like, this is just full of new players across the board. And the talent coming in is not better than the talent leaving. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cue you up to keep going, but I do want to make a point real quick on the recruiting thing that you were talking about. How kids in Florida don't really—it's not just automatic that they go to any of the three Florida schools. I I want to make this point because I think that maybe for us, I had not thought about this until you were saying it, and I think that probably a lot of the people listening haven't thought about this. Um, current recruits, and this is a point people make all the time, but current recruits were, I think, eight years old the last time there was a team from Florida that was a serious national title contender. Uh, that would be Florida State in 2013. It, it, these programs are not what they once were because no one remembers them who's actually going to these colleges. No one remembers these schools being as good as they were like we do. Um, they Florida has been mostly inconsistent through the lives of the players that they're trying to recruit. And you could say the same about the other two bit of the big three in Florida. Um, it just like, yeah, it's not assumed at all. And they're not really doing an especially good job of, of reestablishing themselves, which is, you know, understandable because there's a school not that far away with Georgia who is winning championships that these guys remember. But it's been a minute since any of these schools have really been nationally like national championship levels of, of relevant. And I think that 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 certainly plays a role in that as well. Yeah, 100 um, percent. It's it's totally fair. And yeah, I mean, it's a concern. It's a concern going forward. Um, I do want to get into this team, just kind of talk about it, you know, as a whole. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I very obviously have spent a lot of time very publicly shit talking Anthony Richardson. Um, I thought he was bad. I thought he was a bad college player who turned the ball over too much. He wasn't consistent. He wasn't accurate. He didn't do things you want to see your quarterback do. Um, it's getting worse this year. Yeah. They, they have Graham Mertz starting who basically does all of the bad things, except he's not like one of the most freakish athletes of the planet who can do backflips, six foot five, 240, and escape plays in your battle line, like lets guys loose. Like he can't do any, he can't throw like 70 yard frozen ropes. Like for all the bad that Richardson did, he did have highlight plays, obviously. Yeah. And they're losing basically all of those to get a guy who still has all the same flaws. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. It's it's all of the bad with none of the potential good. It's not you can't even look at Graham Mertz and be like, oh well, he could be good, like you could with Anthony Richardson. He's just bad. He does it's not like, oh, he his ceiling is high, he just hasn't been developed. No, he's I think he's pretty much what he's going to be. He's just not a very good quarterback. And and the guy behind him, you know, behind Graham Mertz is Jack Miller, who is like was the fifth string quarterback at Ohio State and is way worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not good. No, it's not good. <laughs> and, and their quarterback come in as a five-star DJ Lagway, but like we talked about that guy in the podcast before, like just no mechanics at all. Like just, it's, it's like a combination of Cam Ward and, and Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Uh, which I think is not very exciting. Yeah. For, and, and they uh, don't have him. Show. They don't have him yet either. They still, it's not even like they could, right. they could toss him in this year. He's still, a, he's a 2024 guy. So yeah, it's not yep. good. At, it's not good at quarterback and it's going to get worse pretty much everywhere around the quarterbacks too. And the guy who's going to be the third string guy is a pedophile. He got arrested uh, <laughs> with Kitna's kid. Get him. Uh, <laughs> I'm not joking. He, he no, did have I the know. child porn yeah. arrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 
Uh, to get into the rest of the roster here, like the O-line, they have one starter back who is Kingsley Aguacoon, uh, who does have 26 career starts at center, but like basically in year two, his second full year as a starter, we're still taking a lot of back-breaking penalties, just not a very good player. Um, they did really like uh, Austin Barber, who looked – he had five spot starts as a redshirt freshman, and I will say looked pretty good. Like he's a pretty good athlete there. I think he's a solid player at left tackle. Um, they brought in uh, Micah Mazuka or Micah Mazkua of Baylor at left guard, who, again, dependable starter, not great, probably not a Sunday player, but a good college starter. Um, they have Richie Leonard probably starting at right guard, who was horrible last year when he played uh, at right tackle. They have like Alabama transfer Damian George, FIU transfer Lyndall Hudson. Um, I, I don't know. Like Hudson is fine. George got benched a couple times. Like, Cool. I don't know. There's not really anything going on in offensive line. Basically, I think I think they have like one Sunday player who's uh, going to be like a redshirt sophomore who has five career starts. Like there's just not very good talent on the O line. I don't think they're very physical. They're not very nasty. They're not very technically sound. Like it's just not a good O line. Like no. the top to bottom. No, it's um, yeah, especially in this in this conference, and you really can't get away with that with the level of defensive line talent that they're going to have to play eight times this season. Like that's not, that's, that's a really bad weakness to have on your offense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the receivers are worse, you know, like they have, they awesome. have um, Ricky Pearsall <laughs> back. Who's like really fast. And I think a good slot receiver, he averaged 20 yards a catch last year. Um, they have Caleb Douglas and Marcus Burke coming back. Um who I don't think really much of at all. Yeah. Um, they also brought in a Juco guy, uh, or rather, sorry, he was here last year's Juco guy, uh, Ty Shakal Bowman, who is a pretty freaky player physically, but just drops the ball all the time. Um, he's just okay. a Willie Hayes, Mays ass, you know, receiver. Yeah. Um, and then the other guys here are, are two true freshmen, Andy Jean and Aiden Mazel, who were like well recruited, but not crazy recruits, but apparently both have just world-class speed, like are pure sprinters. Uh-huh. Um, I don't like any of the guys besides Pearsall. And I think if you're just like, you don't have much talent or like technical skill, you might as well just go all speed and see if you can get some yak going. So I would just start the freshman. Who gives a shit, I guess. Sure. Um, it's not like, you know, Grammar's going to hit them and start anyway. So what's the what's the benefit, I guess. But I don't know. Um, the running back, or they also tight end. They have Keon Zipper who's been there forever. He's fine. He's just like a, he's a flex tight end, H-back type. Um, dependable player, nothing special. The running backs are very good. They have one of like the, to me, one of the five or six best running back rooms in America um, with Trevor Etienne and uh, Montreal Johnson back here. Montreal Johnson, a former Louisiana transfer. Um, Both guys are really, really good. And both are like roughly top 25 backs in America. Um, It's basically like a slightly worse version of what Michigan or Penn State have. Yep. Um, And it's, it's a really good running back room. Yeah. yeah, And, and unlike those teams, there's no line to run behind, which is, unfortunate but they are still they are still really good they were good in spite of a bad line last year yeah yeah um again Mertz just for his career really quick here sub 60 percent completion percentage sky high 3.4 percent interception rate in three years as a starter just did not get better at all um they're gonna try to protect him but like how do you do that with a bad line I don't know it's it's (laughs) it's gonna be bad um I, I think the other position besides running back is the strength for Florida uh, is their secondary. Um, they have they brought in Corey Raymond, who is the longtime uh, LSU corners coach, yeah. uh, who's now coaching the whole secondary. Um, they have a former five-star Jason Marshall started every game last year. He, he was not perfect, and I think oftentimes, like, freelance at a scheme. I think I saw a couple clips of him trying to play cover three, and it was really bad. I mean, cover three is not a hard scheme to play, um, but no. it looked pretty pretty bad. 
Um, he is at least talented, has the length, has the size, has the speed. He's what you want to see them look like, but he has to get more disciplined. Um, they moved the other corner, Jaden Hill, down to star. Uh, I think, again, he's a fine player, but they have to find a second or third corner here, and it's there's really like no one good. Like Devin Moore and Jalen Kimber, who's a Georgia transfer, are here, but they're not very impressive. Uh, they have a freshman, Dijon Johnson, out of Florida, who I like a lot, the top 100 player. He was former Ohio State commit. Um, he dropped a bit due to some like off-field stuff senior year, but it was kind of explained later on. He it's hard look, he basically has a learning disability that kind of led to some challenges in the classroom um that he's recovered from. I think as a football player, he's very, very good. Uh Jakeem Jackson's also here top of the recruit. Might be a youth movement once again. Um the safeties, they have three guys vying for two spots. It's a Michigan transfer RJ Moten, who was basically benched in the offseason this year, uh 14 career starts. Uh, they also have Kamari Wilson and Miguel Mitchell back, who have three career starts. Those guys are, I don't know. Like, I, I bet Moten finds a way to grab a spot, and Kamari Wilson does too. And the corners, I don't know, someone will play alongside Marshall. I think Marshall and Hill are fine. I think Moten's probably fine. Uh, but there's just like no, there's no guys who make a difference here, right? They're just playing. They're just out there running, running their assignments. Like you're not seeing anyone who's going to make a play for you in the secondary sure. and change the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, linebacker, they lose both their starters and their top death piece, uh, which is okay. uh, a surprise transfer where Antoine Powell, Ryland transferred to Virginia Tech. Um, they have Shamar James and Derek Wingo back who started in the bowl game and looked again, fine. I think James is a pretty good pass rusher. He freelances this way too often. Uh, Wingo is just a guy who's been there forever and done nothing. Uh, they are hyped. The thing that really concerns me about this is these Florida fans are getting some hype and fall camp. For Ohio State's Taraja Mitchell, mm-hmm. who was like a 250-pound inside linebacker who might have been too slow 30 years ago. Uh, and Michigan's Deuce Spurlock, who is like he's 190 pounds and cannot play football. Yeah. Um, there's just, I don't know. Like, they brought in Manny Nunnery from Houston. I think you know I like him a good bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's fine. He, he's probably going to play. I don't know. These guys suck. Linebackers are really bad. Uh, defensive line, they lost their best player they lost one of the projected starters defensive end um they have princely uh uman milan back who did 11 starts in 2022 uh, he was branched benched in the middle of the season because he basically kept freelancing all the time um they have tyreek sap back who after two full years has one half tackle for a loss and no sacks or, sorry after, sorry last year he played every game and had a half one half tackle for a loss and no sacks huh. um which is not great Hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not great. They have, they have a couple of top 100 guys here: Kelby Collins, Cameron James. They could play Chuko and Quincy Ivory. Um, defensive tackle. It's a little more positive than the other positions here, but they got they, some, they got some big boys. They got some some real big yeah. Guys. They they fetishize just fat asses apparently. Like they, their two nose tackles are Desmond Watson, who started last year, and. and Cam Jackson. And again, Desmond Watson was the new tackle starter. Do you know how big you have to be to force Scrabon Dexter to, to three tech? That's insane. Like he's gonna be an NFL nose probably, or NFL one tech. Yeah. Uh <laughs> but those two players, Desmond Watson and Cam Jackson, average four hundred five pounds. Yeah. This, um, this is like if you were like trying to build an sec defensive line based only on stereotypes about sec defensive linemen right if you didn't really yes. know what they're actually supposed to look like and you were living in like 
you, you just you just got transported from 2011, and they're like, okay, build an SEC defensive line. You're you're picking through. Okay, we're gonna need two 400 pound guys who can barely move at all. Um, yeah, and then a we need multiple pound, criminal offenses in the secondary. Yeah, and then a yeah. 320 pound guy who is the lightest player on the entire line. Like that's <laughs> that's this this not a great way to build a, a defensive line in in 2023. I don't think. No, not at all. And I'll say, like, the four guys they have here, I know I mentioned Watson and Jackson knows. They also have Chris McKellen and Caleb Banks at the at the three tech, who, again, they're the smaller guys, and they average 6'5", 324 uh, between them. Like, all four of those guys for their size move pretty well. Like, they're pretty good athletes. But when I say for their size, they're just oversized. It's, it's irresponsible to have two nose tackles who average 405 pounds. Like, that, that's not... I know we're like making jokes about it because Florida sucks this year, but that is actually like very bad for their health long-term. That's horrible conditioning and strength work. Um, those guys are going to get hurt. They're unhealthy. They have to lose weight. That is not necessary for this defense. It's, it's really fucking bad. Actually. It's really irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you can't, um, you can't leave it up to these guys to let them determine how big they're going to be. And if that's not what you're doing, if this is where you actually want them to be as a strength coach, you're a moron. You don't know what you're, what yeah. you're doing. Um, either yeah. outcome, either option is bad. They're, they're both, they both reflect very poorly on the people who should be taking care of these guys. Yeah. I agree hundred uh, percent. The last note here in the defense is they did make an upgrade by being a coordinator. Uh, they traded Patrick Tony for Austin Armstrong from Southern Miss. Um, I have admittedly not watched as much of their missed football as you probably have the last couple of years. Yeah. But I know that people I think are smart about football really respect Armstrong as like a chalkboard guy uh, and think he's very good schematically. I just question how much talent he has to play with here. Um, yeah. yeah. If they make a big stride, it's just still like these guys are going to get gassed. Like they don't have enough depth. They don't, the D linemen are out of shape. Like, I just don't know how these guys are going to finish games. It's going to be a team that, like, maddeningly, maddeningly gives up a lot of points in the fourth quarter every week. Yeah, the the uh, the, the wide view on, on Armstrong, if we're just talking about scheme and, and coaching tree, he's a Manny Diaz guy, um, which all of the Diaz guys, there's it's not a huge group, but there are several of them. They're all really, really committed to running basically the same kind of thing that Diaz did at Miami, which is a defense that really prioritizes tackles for loss, prioritizes havoc, sacks, um, and, and kind of builds everything else around that. They were pretty much always, when you find one of these guys from the tree and Diaz himself, pretty much every year finishing in the top 10 or 15 tackles for loss. Um, they're really good at it. They're really good at, at, at sort of uh, generating pressure and generating havoc without needing to have elite talent and without needing to sacrifice a whole bunch of guys to do it they can they can scheme up they're smart blitzers basically um and that can you can do something I, I think he can do something with that with even with this roster but I don't think he can do that much with it and I would guess that basically the result is going to be that they do create they do create more havoc this year but they're also putting that secondary in a really really difficult position that more often than not doesn't really work out in the long run for the defense Yep, I agree with you. Um, I don't know about you. I, I mean, I just went through it all. I don't see any juice in this roster. Like, like the best case scenario is the O-line transfers are – like, basically, the line of scrimmage is better from last year. The O-line transfers give you what you need. The D-line, like, despite its size, doesn't get hurt and somehow stays healthy and, and plays well, uh, despite having, like, five guys to play 
like eight positions in a two deep. Um, that's the hope. And I don't really see how that works out, but maybe that's what happens. I don't know. I just don't see any path for them. Um, we should probably get into their schedule. Yeah. Let's, um, let's roll through this schedule real quick. Um, so there, yeah, so- <laughs> it's not ideal for what they have, uh, on, on this, on this roster. Um, they start the season at Utah. They get McNeese state at home, Tennessee at home and Charlotte at home in the first four games. Um, that's that's two and two, right? They're gonna lose the two to the two competent teams and then beat the two bad teams, right? Yeah, I, I am a little bit almost wary here because they beat Utah last year, despite Utah being the better football team. Yeah, because of just like line play, but I think Utah's line is so strong this year that it won't matter. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I think so, I think Florida's lines, as we were talking about, kind of got worse on both sides. So I, I would not be. I would not be super worried about it this year. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think Tennessee, Tennessee, by the way, we'll talk about that in a minute here. Shockingly good defense this year, uh, in my opinion, but we'll, we'll find out soon. We'll talk, about, um, we'll talk about Tennessee in 400 minutes. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. At yeah. some, we'll get there at some point. Uh, How long do we go on that? Where are we at in the, in the uh, calendar? We're sitting at 30 minutes. Classic, <laughs> a, a classic 20 minutes on Florida. We're gonna, look, we're, we're going to pick up speed and some of these, these other SEC teams were fine. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> After those first four, they go at Kentucky, which is a loss. Yes. Now, Kentucky is a more competent team. It's a well coached team. They're better. They get Vanderbilt at home. I think they probably win that game. Yep. Um, that's three and three the first six weeks. At South Carolina is a real toss-up game for me. Um, South Carolina, I think, is also pretty shitty. I, I just don't – I don't know. I don't think Florida like, can take advantage where South Carolina is bad at. And South Carolina has probably more NFL players than, than Florida does this year, which is sad to say. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm torn. Do you do you have an opinion here? Not really, and you're not alone because the SP Plus projection for this game has them separated by 0.1 points. It, it has South Carolina yeah. as the the slightest possible favorite. Is that with home home field or no? Yeah, that's with the home field advantage. Um, uh, yeah, it has it as 29.6 to 29.5. So I let's uh, just let's err on the side of caution and give it to Florida. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll say we'll say four and three. Um, going to the bye week, and then they don't win another game. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's fair. They close the season versus Georgia in obviously a neutral site. They're not going to win that game. Arkansas at home, at LSU, at Missouri, and Florida State at home. I, I think they probably do get one of South Carolina, Arkansas, and Missouri. I don't think they get two, so I, I think it's four and eight. Yeah, yep, that's where I have that exactly. I, I think I had it three and nine because I was being mean in the preview. Yeah, but um, four and eight probably feels better. Yep. Um, not for Florida, okay, George, but for us. Yeah, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. That's the first, again, that's the first time they've had three losing seasons in a row in, what is it, 86 years. Yep. Um, Shouldn't have hired Dan Mullen, so. I guess. That's the lesson. If you if you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to hire someone who isn't Dan Mullen, you should take it. Just don't do it. Just don't hire Dan Mullen. Uh, let's talk about... I don't about, know. I think... I think uh, uh, you got to put some of this at Napier's feet, right? With just the portal, but whatever. Yeah. Um, Georgia, huh? So you've heard about Georgia. So Georgia, <laughs> yeah, uh, I've I've heard about Georgia. I know about I know about uh, I know about the dogs. I'm vaguely familiar with what they do. Yeah, well, I mean, look, everyone knows Georgia. You're gonna hear about Georgia all season long. So be a little bit quicker here. Yeah. Um, here are the headlines. Like, despite losing a million guys to the NFL, they had ten guys drafted. Three others made uh, training camp as UDFA's, and they had six other players who would have been a two deep transfer out. Uh, like Bear Alexander, Donnie Mitchell, probably the highlights. Um, they saw nine former top 150 players transfer out of the program in total, uh, 12 blue chips. 
um, which is just crazy. Uh, they're still doing incredible, right? They still have 13 starters back despite that. Um, so they, I mean, I don't know. Look, Georgia has athletes. They have talent. We're never worried about that. Uh, the headline here, I guess the biggest thing we have to note is what the change from Todd Munkin to Mike Bobo looks like. Um, Todd Munkin, of course, was their OC, a guy who I think was fine most of his career that kind of really unlocked something with his creativity and the, and the 12 personnel looks they ran all the time. Uh, which I think really helped them. A challenge here is that Mike Bobo doesn't do that. Uh, he yeah. has <laughs> been really bad his last three jobs, which were OC at Auburn in 2021, OC at South Carolina in 2020, and head coach at Colorado State for four years or five years before that. Um, he produced scoring offenses, ranked 68th and 99th the last two times he was an SEC coordinator. Uh, and three of his five Colorado State offenses ranked 60th or worse in scoring offense. Yeah, um, yeah, and they, they, that's hard to do in the SEC East when you when you use at those jobs. Yeah, and they pretty much exclusively got worse when he was at Colorado State from when he arrived to when he left. It was it was a it was yeah. really sort of a downward trajectory the further he got in, which has been a pretty common thing with Mike Bobo that he shows up and and when he isn't working with his own guys and with he, when he isn't really necessarily just doing exactly what he wants, he's better than when he's doing exactly what he wants because what he wants is usually uh, stupid and not really a good idea. Yeah. Like the thing people are telling themselves in Athens is that he did well with quarterback development with Matt Stafford and Aaron Murray, but that's like a million years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's so long It's a ago. very different kind of quarterback development than it is now. The, the, producing a quarterback in 2008 does not mean that you can still do it. It's a very different... It's a very different ball game at this point. You, you, it's it's like the the coaches who keep getting hired in the NFL because of what they did with Peyton Manning. It's like that's a different that's a different deal than what we're doing now. You understand that that's a different deal, right? That's a it doesn't really compare anymore. Yeah, I, the the Bobo hire doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, other than just um, Kirby struck gold with uh, with Munkin basically on accident and doesn't really know why he did that or actually want to yeah. do anything. Uh, unique on offense and so I, I do think that this is a uh, schematically this is a pretty obviously a regression Mike Bobo is a worse coach than Todd Munkin and he has not had the come to Jesus moment that, that Munkin did with uh, with doing something different on offense with doing really anything at all other than what he's been doing since like 2009 he's not a very good offensive coordinator no no he's pretty bad um, the personnel on offense though is very very good for the most part um, they're into, they've look if, if you want to be as like critical as possible towards O line, because they had two top three O lines the past two years. Like if you're being negative, I think it was probably the best unit at least one of those two years. Um, they just rode great guys every week under Stacey Searles. They put Teach Shape out there. They're very very good. Um, they have Cedric Van Pram back at uh, back at center. Xavier Trust and Tate Rattler are both the guards. That interior O line trio is combined for more than sixty starts so far. Um, and they also have a, a kid, Micah Morris, who's been very, very veteran there, uh, who can slide in and kind of start as needed in, in, in spots at times and has been very solid. Yeah. Uh, so they have four guys interior, I, I, interior O-line who can play pretty much anywhere. Um, they have Amarius Mims at right tackle who looks like a freak. Like he is, I think, already being tapped as a number two O-tackle in this class, despite, you know, basically being a first time, a, a first year full-time starter this coming season. Um you have Ernest Green, who's probably going to start at left tackle. He's a redshirt freshman, former top 100 recruit. They all are here, uh, although Junior Austin, Austin Blask is still in the mix, uh, which basically means they can go like eight deep. Um, yeah. 
which is freaky, right? Like, the, and also like Xavier Truss has played tackle in the past too. So if someone gets hurt and they don't like the backup, they can move him out to tackle and plug in Morris at guard. Like this is a, a, a very versatile line that they always are here. It looks very, very good. Yeah, um, I, I think if you have any concern with the line, it would be how young the tackles are, but that would be about it. That, that's, I mean, the talent is really hard to question at this point, as is the the development of the talent. They should be really good. It's just there's some there's some inexperience on the line that I think would be troubling for most other programs, but probably not for this one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, quarterback is, of course, like it's the obvious question mark, but also an answerable one. Uh, like Carson Beck is a starter here. I think everyone, myself included, really liked what we saw in the spring game from him. It's some pretty impressive throws. He also has fewer than 60 career passing attempts in college. Yeah. Uh, and the backups basically have none with Brock Vandegriff and Gunnar Stockton. So whatever you're looking at, is it just complete, like, what do you think of spring practice from him uh, or, or fall camp practices? There's no real knowledge of him as a college player you can look at. Um, I think he looks pretty good. But again, Mike Bowe is his coach. So, you know, what can you expect from that? Yeah. Um, we'll find out. Um, yeah, wide receiver and tight end, they lost, uh, they lost Donna Mitchell, they lost Karis Jacks, they lost Dominic Blaylock, Darnell Washington's gone to the Steelers. Um, you have Lad McConkey and Marcus Rosemary Jackson back at receiver. They're both dependable. They're known quantity guys. Obviously Brock Bowers is an absolute superstar. Um, he is, I don't think it's great to say probably the best tight end prospect we've ever seen, at yeah. least in my lifetime. Yeah. He, I mean, like pound for pound, if we're just talking about pure football ability, he's probably the best player in the country by a, by a pretty wide margin this year. Right. Yeah. I, I tend to think so. Yeah. I don't think it's all that close. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a freak of freaks. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he's back at wide receiver. They also added Ra Ra Thomas from Mississippi state and Dominic Lovett from Missouri, uh, which are two big additions. Those guys were the best receivers on two other sec teams. Uh, I think Thomas is a prototype X. Uh, Love it is a is a really good Z, and you have McConkey in the slot with uh, Rosemary Jackson and Arian Smith or other backup coming back, kind of coming in. Uh, Dylan Bell might get a little run here as well. He's been on the roster for a little bit. It's a really deep group. Like honestly, as much as we like, you know, Georgia's reputation pre Munkin was the Neanderthal football. That's one of the best receiver groups in America. Like other than Ohio State and Washington, they're right there with anybody else in the country. Yeah, um, we'll, 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 I'm going to say we'll see about that. I'm not quite as sold on the uh, guy from an air raid offense and guy from an RPO offense as you are <laughs> at wide receiver. I, I would like to see them playing as uh, normal receivers instead of guys in, you know, the, the, <laughs> the dopamine machine offense. But it, yeah, fair uh, enough. On paper, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other concern I guess I would look at here is. Obviously, Georgia, as we talked about, loves to run that 12 personnel look under under Wunkin. It could really kind of unlock their entire offense with Washington being such a physical freak at his size, but also basically a six lineman. Um, they only have four scholarship tight ends hmm. at this point, and it's Bowers. Behind him, you have Oscar Dell, um, who was a former top fee recruit, played in 13 games last year, uh, and then only had five catches. Yeah. And then the other two guys are true freshmen. So... Hmm. Yeah, don't no. basically. I, I don't let. I would really, 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 really recommend to not let Brock Bowers get hurt. Yeah, um, yeah. That would be a that would be a good idea to not let him get hurt. We don't know if he can get hurt at this point. Like if 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 you yeah. can, if you can harm him. Um, yeah, Delp played a lot in the playoff game against Ohio State, from what I remember, because um, Washington was was out, and he he basically just looked like some guy. And I, I would guess that another year of development changes that, and that he he becomes a very good player for them. But 
he's not Washington yet. He's it's it's going to take. That's a loss. That's a, that's a loss for how they do things for sure. I mean, Washington, like, like even if Delp becomes a good college tight end, the body type and skill set of Washington, like there are not many tight ends in, in the world like that, right? Like he is kind of a one of one. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think that that's yeah. I think that that's fair. They would do yeah. They would do well to keep him. Keep him yeah. Like they could have gotten Deuce Robinson, I guess, from from Arizona this past year. He's probably the closest guy to him, but they didn't. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, tough. Yeah. And, and, um, and Bowers is not much of a, not much of a blocker. So I, I would guess that they probably take a little bit of a step back in that, in that category. Cause Washington was, yeah, like I didn't agree said, as well. he was, he was, yeah. he was pretty special at what he was able to and, do. And even just logistically, like if you only have four scholarship guys, that's not enough. You have to be a bit scared to even run 12 personnel. Yeah. Cause you, yeah, I mean, you, you have exactly a two deep when you do that. And that is, I don't know why they didn't get another guy, honestly. Even just somebody who is, like you said, just a, a transfer, not even a really good transfer, just somebody. There were plenty of them. A I, body. I, yeah, get yeah, a body. There were there were plenty yeah. of them. I think you probably could have gotten one just to go to five. How about fucking uh, Caden Prescorn from Memphis went to Ole Miss? Yeah. Um, yeah man, yeah, he's good, too. He's really good. I guess like, he's you don't, really good. You don't want to take, yeah, he had like 600 yards last year. Yeah, I'd say yeah. like you don't want to take snaps. Yeah, he was their leading receiver. I, you, you don't want to take snaps away from Brock Bowers, but you don't have to because you run a lot of 12 percent. It's, like, yeah. it's not like you're taking him off the field ever. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's very strange. It, it is. Yeah, it, it, it does. It feels like a rare miss for them in, in roster building. Yeah, and speaking of injury concerns here, the running back room is probably even worse, right? Yeah, they, uh, the they guys have, they have back here—they have no guys yeah. left on the roster who are healthy, from what I have gathered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Dejan Edwards had been—I'm uh, actually going to pull up the two. I should have done this beforehand, but like basically the two guys coming back uh, were Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton, who, to be fair, uh, did combine more than 1,500 scrimmage yards and 16 touchdowns, despite Milton missing two games last year. Uh, Milton has now missed 11 total games over three seasons. Um, again, he's picked a co-starter there for them, um, which is, is tough. It's, it's what we, again, what we call, uh, not what you want to see. Um, and then you also had, uh, Branson Robinson, who was their third player. He contributed like 330 yards, three touchdowns last season. He already had a foot injury in spring football that had him limited. And then he tore his patellar tendon and it's out for the entire season. Um, the fourth guy, uh, or sorry, rather, Dejan Edwards, who's one of the co-starters, is dealing with a MCL sprain. Uh-huh. They are hoping he can be back for week one, but it's not guaranteed. So basically you have one of your two co-starters is currently out in fall camp. Uh, the other co-starter is a guy who's missed 11 games in three years and has hurt pretty frequently. Uh-huh. Uh, That's much lower, much lower carry count than he'll have to take this year. Uh, your third guy is out for the season. Your fourth guy is Andrew Paul, uh, Richard Freshman, who tore his ACL last year and just got healthy. Yeah. He's still a bit limited in fall camp last I heard. Yeah. Um, the, so the, the highly, touted, that, the highly yeah. touted third Paul brother that we've all been looking forward to seeing. With, with <laughs> that's very good. That's yeah. very good. Thank you. Yep. Uh, actually, here, here's a punch up on that. Uh-huh. Uh, that's his name. That's, that's what Andrew Tate is called after he married Jake Paul. That's a, uh, I heard they were kissing. That's a punch up, you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. And... The, the fifth guy in the roster is a low four-star true freshman, Roderick Robinson. Uh-huh. Um, they really freaked it here because they missed on uh, a five-star running back who's probably going to start or very close to it for Alabama as a, as a true freshman. It's a Georgia legacy from Georgia, Justice Haynes. Yeah, um, famously nicknamed Bussy, which is just – we're going to talk about that again when we get to the <laughs> Alabama section. It's a big, big, yeah. big note for him, nicknamed Bussy. That's all I remember about yeah. him. <laughs> 
It's the only thing you That's need right. to know. That's right. Yeah, I, I think all of this is fair to mention. I do also think that we're, what's going to happen is that Roderick Robinson is going to just be amazing immediately because that's what happens for this program. They have been touched by God that every – anytime there's any issue with them for, for depth at running back, they just have some guy show up and run for 1,500 yards. I, I think I think it'll just – that's that's what will happen. Yeah, I tend to agree as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure they'll find someone. No, but I don't know. I actually am worried about this. Like, just like the depth, uh, like this program under the, the two championship teams, other than their O-line, obviously the defense is sick. We understand that. But on the offense, it was built on the running backs and tight ends. And they have real depth problems at both and less uh, top-end talent they've had previously. Yeah, um, That's a concern. And also, like, when you look at, like, Kirby Smart's part of the trends, when he had James Cooley's as coordinator here from 2016 to 2019, they had one top 20 finish in scoring offense those four years. Uh, and they reached 49th in 2019 in scoring offense and a 102nd in 2016. Um, given that you have Bobo taking over here, like you have to be worried, but also the schedule is so fucking bad and so easy. They play like one competent defense, I think, in, in, you know, basically the whole season, yeah. uh, unless you feel good about Tennessee's. Um it's just hard to see who takes advantage of it. But like, I think when it comes to like winning a three beat here, just a lot of concerns on offense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then on defense, there are pretty much no concerns at all from what I have, from what I've gathered. I think honestly, we can, we can breeze through the defense pretty quick because like it's, it's a Georgia defense. It's just, it's going to be the best defense in the country again. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like, I can do it very quick if you want me to, but basically yeah, like sure. Michael Williams is probably the best edge in the country. If Jared versus him, he's a freak. Uh, what he did against Paris Johnson, who's a top 10 pick uh, as a true freshman in the playoff was pretty fucking crazy. Like Paris played well, but Michael Williams was better. Yeah. Um, he's a monster. You, you have Zion. Yeah, he's an absolute fucking monster. I was just watching his highlights again this week. It's just fun to watch. Um, yeah, uh, they have Zion Logue, or sorry, rather, Nazir Stackhouse is back at the nose tackle spot, uh, another freak, probably a, a top 50 pick. Uh, Zion Logue, a Warburton center back at the other defensive tackle spot, pretty good. Uh, Terrell Walthor will play at the base end. Um, he is not really a disruptive player, just has one career sack in four seasons, but a pretty solid run stopper. Um, they also signed six top 100 players in the defensive line and edge rusher positions in 2022 and 2023. So they are hoping that some of these guys emerge, which... Uh, I am sure they will. The house, the, the horses are absolutely there. They just got to kind of figure it out. Um, at linebacker, uh, Jason Dumas Johnson and Smale London are both back as starters. They're excellent. Uh, one of the top two or three linebacker pairings in the country. Um, also, the top two backups uh, are, are unfortunately now gone with Tresman Marshall going to Alabama and Ryan Davis to UCF. Um, so you need to find some depth answers, but that's like not really top of the list here. The, the top two are, are unbelievably good. Um, Al- Outside linebacker, a little murky here. Uh, Nolan Smith, Robert Beal are both gone. Uh, Chaz Chambliss is the only player who has any real snap counts here and has not done much. Um, it's crazy. They have two crazy soft- ass names. Yeah. Chaz Chambliss. Crazy ass name. God damn. George, he's a, as you can imagine, he's from Georgia. Um, they have two sophomore five stars, Marvin Jones Jr. and Jalen Walker. Uh, Walker is cross training between inside and outside linebacker, and I'm sure will play somewhere. Uh, they also have uh, three top 100 freshmen with Damon Wilson, Samuel Mpemba, and Gabe Harris coming in. Uh, look, I'm sure they're going to find answers, right? Like the D line is nasty. They have their top two starters back at inside linebacker. They got to find some edge rushers. They probably want to find a little more depth in the D line, but like with all this talent, they're going to be just fine. Yep. They're going to be just fine. Yep. Pretty much. They're going to be just fine. I, I would be pretty surprised if this is not the best defense in the country. Like I was, <laughs> like I was saying, they yeah. are. Uh... 
They're good. They're good. They have a lot of very good players on the defense, probably exclusively NFL players at, at every position, which is what they've been doing for several years now. Yeah. Do you want to do the, the secondary really quick? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, Malachi Starks and Javon Bullard are both back with secondary. They're both elite. Um, Bullard seems like he's going to play more of a deep safety role than the star position he played last year. Uh, Starks has stayed a strong safety and Tyke Smith, uh, who is a former all American at West Virginia, who has basically been a bench player the last, uh, last year Great. for the dogs, yeah. uh, <laughs> is, is coming in to play the other spot, but also they have true freshman five-star Janela Guerrero competing for reps too. Uh, between those four, they are, they are just fine. Um, they, uh, I, I think Starks will always stick off the field. Uh, they have Kamari Laster back corner, who was the best corner last year. Very good. Um, the second corner role is kind of interesting here. They brought in Smoke Bowie from AM, who I really liked, but he is now off the team. Uh, they kicked him out of there. Um, so they what have. What the fuck do uh, you do to get kicked off of this team? Did he kill somebody? <laughs> Even that. <laughs> what did he do? War I crime? think the rule of Georgia is simple. Like, they don't really care what you do off the field as long as you show up for practice and play hard. Yeah. So I got to imagine he just was not doing that. He publicly he publicly posted his support for Joe Biden. That was too much for them. <laughs> you bastard. You communist. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the other two guys who will play at corner are probably Nylon Green, a redshirt sophomore, and true sophomore, Dalen Everett. Yeah. Uh, Everett was the number three corner last year's team behind Lasser and Keely Ringo. Um. Again, the defense will be fine. Best defense in America. No notes. They're going to be sick. LSU can maybe challenge if their corners get right, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, it's also the whole brain trust is back. Can someone please fucking hire Glenn Schumann? Uh, <laughs> can, can someone get him out of there? Apparently not. Apparently no one can hire Glenn Schumann. He's stuck. He's just he's just planted his ass down there. Yeah, Florida will hire him whenever they fire Billy Napier and not learn their lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can definitely find like a spot for drop off here. I mean, like, I think the possibility here is the team can get worse just based on kind of what we're looking at, all these problems. But their schedule is just so fucking weak that they don't play a real football team. I'd say play Kentucky's a decent team. They play one decent team in the first nine games of the schedule. Um, so they have all year to get better, which is nice for them. They just have nine games of practice where they play Ole Miss and Tennessee. Yeah. Um, yeah. So pretty much. Yeah. I, I really, I don't think we even need to go through the schedule game by game because there's, yeah. there's not a single, they're not going to lose any of the first uh, 10 games that they play. I don't think they're going to lose to Ole Miss at home. And so it is just, it's just at Tennessee. And even if they lose that game, they're still going to the playoff. Who cares? It doesn't, it's, it's. This is a complete yeah. wash season unless it's a disaster. Like unless Mike Bobo is is, well, is brain dead, which I, I don't. I, you you would really have to fuck it up uh, with with the team that they have. I agree. The other answer could be like, what if they don't look good doing it, and then like the top three Big Ten teams are all eleven and one or something like that. I don't know. Like no, they'd still put them in. It's it, it still. I'm sure they still put them in. Like you lose. To, I don't know. Like maybe if LSU blows them out in Atlanta, which will again probably almost certainly not happen. Yeah. Um, Would be. That's cool. about it. But yeah, they're going to the playoff. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky is going back to the old Kentucky. They have. Uh, they've moved on from the the one year. Um, what was his name? Uh, Scangarello, the yeah, Scangarello, yeah, yeah he's our OC, yeah, the all Italian team, yeah, Rich Scangarello, yeah. who was really, really bad for them last year. Um, and they have <laughs> instead of trying to find 
uh, a different person who can renovate their offense, who can get it back to where it was in 2021. They've just hired the same guy. It's Liam Cohen. They've just they he's right back where he was. Um, he was in the NFL again for one season. He's a Rams tree guy. Uh, he's back. He's he's ready to do it again. I think that that's a, a really really good hire for them. He's proven himself to be a very good football coach, and they brought in a quarterback that I think will make a lot of sense for for him as well in uh, a guy who we loved last year in Devin Leary. Um, I like this partnership a lot. I think that that's if you're starting. Uh, with this team, that's the place to start, and I think that that's a, a an upgrade that makes a lot of sense for them in both yeah. you know, uh, quarterback and uh, coordinator. Yeah, I agree. Um, this team has to get better at the rush attack. Basically, the whole thing with Kentucky was having a great O-line with a really strong rush attack because every single Liam Cohen play starts with a rushing action. Yep. Every play is either play action or RPO. Um, so you have to have an O-line, you have to have running backs. They also fired their running backs coach, John Settle, because he sucked. Uh, and they brought in uh, one of the best in the country, in my opinion, Jay Bulware, who had been out of college ball for three years. He's an off-field guy with the Steelers. But uh, he was the Oklahoma running backs coach who had to go mix in some Ajay P. Ryan, Trey Sermon, Damn. Kennedy Brooks, or Ajay Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a good hire. It's a really good hire. Yeah, that's not too shabby. I mean, it, it does feel like they are just sort of going back to what had to what worked. They're going back to the well. And I I like the coaches that they have to do it. I think that the, the roster is a little bit of a question mark. The personnel is more of a question, but the, the staff feels great. I think that he made the changes, Stoops made the changes that he needed to make where it was it had become apparent that things were getting a little bit stale for them. Yeah, no, clearly. And it, it got stale, but I think, look, they made the right move because they upgraded both positions. I think it's obviously the best thing to do. I, I will say this, the reason they were bad Coaching is involved in this. Of course it's involved in this. It was bad play calling. But the core problem was just how dog shit this O-line was last year, right? That was an O-line that was great for years. They, I think they finished – I had the mat, I had the numbers on here somewhere. Where they had, I think, finished with the top-graded SEC O-line uh, for four years in a row at one point in time um, or something like that. It was like a really good group for several years in a row for PFF. And then last year it was an absolute disaster. Um, they finished – uh, 128th in sack rate, 104th in stuff rate, and 85th in average line yards. They were pretty much the, the worst Power 5 O-line in the country by a pretty wide margin. Um, but they were competing with Syracuse for that, uh, which is not good. The, I, I guess the positive here, if you think it's a positive, is they returned four O-line starters, but kind of moved them around. Um, they had a pretty good guard previously, Kenneth Horsey, who had to go, uh, who was playing at left tackle last year. He clearly just is not good enough. He was 6'3". Yeah. Um, he's back inside at left guard. Eli Cox was awesome at right guard in 2021, but had to play center last year. He's now back to right guard. They put in Jager Bur- or Jager Burton, who was a, a pretty highly rated recruit, I think top 100 guy, who was at right guard last year. He's now to his recruiter position at center. People are asking, why not do that year one, whatever. Um, that 68 combined career starts right there on the inside. Uh, you have Jeremy Flax, Cortland Ford. Uh, uh, Jeremy Flax was the right tackle last year. He was really shitty. Uh, they brought in Cortland Ford as a transfer from USC, who had three starts last year. Pretty good player. They also the, the big transfer here is one of the Illinois' Marquez Cox, um, who started 34 times for them in the back. He's really good. Um, yes. They also have Tanner Bowles for Alabama as a depth piece, who was kind of Bama's like seventh guy last year, who played a fair bit. And they have a sophomore I love who as a recruit who is Paul Rodriguez from Mason in Ohio. Just a nasty motherfucker. Like he he bullied guys on Lakota West defense, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Like that is a mean son of a bitch. Yeah. Um yeah, for sure. That's a guy who fits culturally at Kentucky, I would say. Yes. I, I think that O line 
I know it was bad last year. I think the personnel is a lot better this year and the position's a lot better. I think this is back to being a good, if not, like it's not going to be the elite O-line that they had for a couple years there, but this is a good O-line now, in my opinion. Yep. Um, yep. I would agree. We like Leary. Uh, the receivers are really good. Barry and Brown and Dane Key are both freshman All-Americans. Um, Tavian Robinson was solid too. He's back at number three. Uh, the tight ends are, are back again. The only question is the running back, right? I know we brought they, they brought in Bullware with Rodriguez and Cavassi. Uh, Chris Rodriguez off the NFL and Cavassi smoke transferring to Colorado. Um, I think it's at UNL. I don't love the running back options. No, no you're what right. You Col- you're you're right, Colorado. I I got him yeah. confused with. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Go on. So good. Yeah. Uh, um, they have Ray Davis from Vanderbilt, who's just like a plugger. To be fair, Vanderbilt's line was also one of the worst in the country, but um, Ray Davis does not do much. Uh, he's now in his third school. Uh, he was a thousand yard back, but like a, one of the most fake thousand yard backs of all time. Yeah. Um, there's one player here I really want to shout out who I think probably grabs this job, who is uh, Ramon Jefferson. Do you know who this guy is? Um, the name rings a bell, but I don't know. I don't know a ton about him. He was a Sam Houston State transfer who missed all of 2022 right. injury. Yeah. Yeah. He was a big deal in last 20... off season. Yeah. Yeah, in 2021, he had 1,900 yards in his final season at FCS. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That is a workhorse back. Yeah. I would not be surprised if he grabs the job by like week five. I'm hoping that he's healthy enough to do that because it, it can be, especially as a running back, it can be really hard to come back from a knee injury, season-ending knee injury. Yeah. But he is, if he is healthy, he's a he's a dude for sure. Yeah, I think it's like it's back to be like a better half of the country line, or sorry, offense in general, but like probably nothing special, but I think just – Pretty much improvements in every position except running back. Uh, much better play calling. Probably nets you performance gains on the offense overall. I think it's probably a solid like top half FBS offense, if yeah. not like top 40. Yeah, and um, I, I would say the ceiling even could be higher than that because uh, Leary could be really good. Leary was really good in 2021. I don't know that the 2022 season is entirely reflective of what, of what he can do. If that, that pairing with Cohen works, the, they have the receivers that the passing attack could be um like scary good i i I think that yeah i I think that the the potential for this offense to be good is is high i think the potential for it to be really good is also fairly high i think there's a decent chance that they could break out and be be pretty surprising this year yeah yeah i think the ceiling is probably like 25th but yeah it could be pretty solid sure um defense Defense, they lose Justin Rogers at nose tackle, who is a really good player for them. He transferred to Auburn, pretty bizarre. Uh, he was a, a really good starting nose tackle. They lose two and a half starters in the linebacker room, which I'll explain later. Yeah. Uh, and the defensive backs are fairly devastated, I would say, um, which is mm. concerning. That's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> that's that's all three. That's all three units. That's not what you want. <laughs> no. Here's the good news, though. Uh, Keelan Walker, who is their freshman All-American 3-tech, did not get nearly enough pub because of like the other freaks in the SEC as freshmen last year. Like obviously you had Shaheem Otis, Alabama, Michael Williams at Georgia. That kid is nasty. Uh, if you watch some clips of him, you get a chance later. He is a very good player. Yeah, uh, I like him a lot. They also have Jamarius Dinkins, a veteran here, and Josiah Hayes at nose. Uh, they brought in Keyshawn Silver, who's a UNC transfer. Did not quite do it at UNC, but no one there has done it. And yeah. he's a former five-star. Um, I like him a lot. Also, great name here uh, at no at three tech rather. Octavius Oxendine is go. here as the backup nose tech or backup three tech. Love him. Yeah. Um, I like Trayvon Ripka, defensive end. Khalil Sanders is there. Pretty good deep group. They have like six or seven guys that can play. I think like at least three or four of them are proven SEC defensive linemen. That's a good crew. I'm fine there despite losing Rodgers. 
Again, I think Rogers is pretty bizarre. He transferred. I don't really get that kind of a dickhead move, but whatever. It's <laughs> fuck Auburn, dude. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> okay, Line, yeah, linebackers. Uh, linebackers a little bit more concerning. Yeah, a bit. Although I, I do just kind of trust them at linebacker. Maybe just maybe foolish, but uh, they lost uh, DeAndre Square and Jordan Wright uh, at linebacker as well as Jaquez Jones, who started half the season before he losing the rest of injury. Um, so they they bring back here. Um, Derek Jackson, who was the best inside linebacker last year, JJ Weaver was their best outside linebacker and edge rusher, and then Shrevin Walls, kind of their depth inside linebacker, who looked pretty damn good in his six starts. Uh, he only started six games and finished fifth in the team in tackles, which is pretty good, like backup player. Yeah. Um, and they also brought in Northern Illinois transfer Devaron Rayner, uh, who is going to be kind of the third inside linebacker and pushing Wallace for reps there. Um, inside linebacker, really good. JJ Weaver, really good line outside linebacker spot. The other one is a concern. It seems like sophomore Keaton Wade, who's a pretty good recruit, is going to play. Um, but they don't really have much depth there. There's like four or five total guys. Um, they need to be creative and, and I don't know, bring on an extra defensive end or do something else here to kind of maybe change personnel deployment because uh, it's it's tough. I will say the one guy here who's kind of the Swiss Army knife who just has to get reps in this defense is a guy I think you recall, you and I both loving. Remember Alex Safari from Dakota West? Oh, I sure do freak total freak uh very Rocking very animal. very good player <laughs> very very good player very good player good in coverage really run like there were teams thinking he was a wide receiver he's playing like a hybrid safety linebacker role here kind of a, a role some teams call the star position um he is like a, a nasty enough player in the box you can almost go lighter and like run a three three five with him play that position because he can rush the passer he can hit he can play the run like he's only 215 pounds but that guy can really strike so I think he has to get reps. Um, the other safety spots are rock solid, I'll say. Like, they have Jordan Lovett back, who was probably their best run defending safety last year. Um, Zion Childress also is a is a pretty speedy player from Texas State. And then Jalen Geiger was actually their week one starter last year before he suffered a knee-ending injury in week three. Uh-huh. Um, they also have Ohio State transfer, Jansen Dunn, who I actually liked quite a bit yeah. as a depth player. Um uh, another note of concern here at the corner spot is pretty much, I think, to me, the single biggest concern of the team. Uh, they lose Keijan Smith and Carrington Valentine, um, who were two really solid corners in this group. Um, I don't know. Andrew Phillips played a lot. He was kind of the nickel. Uh, he, he's going to play a, an outside slider role. Besides him, I don't know. They have, like, Maxwell Harrison, who seemed to get most of the, the, the reps of the ones in camp. He didn't play much, really know much about him. Uh, they're allegedly trying to play Jansen Dunn more corner a bit too. Um, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but we'll see. The guy who's got the wild card here is Jordan Robinson, who's a six foot four Division two transfer a corner. Um, if he plays well, I think he can solve a lot of questions there. But yeah, I mean, look, it's Kentucky. They figure out the defense. It's going to be fine. It's Brad White. Like it's going to be a solid top twenty five defense. Yeah, our our thinking on this, we can talk about the schedule. Our thinking on this is basically that this is a pretty clear number three in the East um behind georgia and tennessee but pretty obviously ahead of the other the other teams in this in this division i think that this is a a very very solid return to form for for kentucky this season yeah we'll talk about missouri in a minute if you like missouri's offense i don't personally i'm not sort of into that thing yeah if you if you like missouri's offense you could say they could challenge kentucky but besides that like it's a pretty clear separation ahead of florida south carolina vanderbilt like i think kentucky's to me very far behind Tennessee and pretty far ahead of Mizzou and those other teams behind them. Yep. Um, yep. So I think, cool. I think that's the schedule right. really quick here. Uh, they open up with, I think four straight 
like Cakewalk wins, which are Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and and at Vanderbilt. Yep. They did lose to Vandy last year, but it was kind of a fluky turnover win. I'm not. That's not happening again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's four straight wins. They get Florida at home. I think they probably steamroll Florida. I agree. Um. Yeah. I I think. Okay. Yeah. I I would agree with that. So five and zero go to Georgia, which gives Georgia a fake ranked win, which they'd love to have. Oh yeah. Um. Georgia. <laughs> Georgia will kick their ass. They just do everything Kentucky does better. Yeah. Um, five and one. Every, Missouri at home. Every okay. that is a perpetual thirty-one to ten game. They do that every year. Yes. It's thirty-one to ten, and it's never actually that close. It'll it'll do that again. If I recall correctly, didn't they play Georgia pretty well last year? I'm pulling. The, I'm trying to look at the score. I'm pulling it up right now. They always uh, they um, always play them like relative. They they play them well relative yeah. to the other teams in the SEC East, but that's not really saying much. Yeah, they lost sixteen to six last year. Got the ball past midfield like twice. Cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just a, just a waste of everyone's time. Five and one, heading into um, couple two two Missouri. Two, yeah, two pretty ga- pretty big uh, games here. Missouri at yeah. home and Tennessee at home. I think they beat Missouri to go six and one, and then you think they lose to Tennessee? I think Tennessee is is. I was kind of coming to Tennessee thinking they lost this a lot more than I thought they did. Yeah, Tennessee is a pretty fucking good team. Okay. That's yeah okay that's fine. Uh, so six and two heading into the final four game stretch, which is uh, unfortunately for them three road games. It's at Mississippi State, Alabama at home, at South Carolina, and at Louisville. I think they probably get two of those, right? I, I don't know. I, I would guess the latter two. I would guess they get South Carolina and Louisville, but they lose the two games against the West teams just because that's a lot to win three road games and then lose. To it's Alabama. a lot to win it, but like. Um, uh, I mean, Mississippi State lost a ton, dude. They lost a bunch. Yeah, South I mean, Carolina lost they, a ton. Louisville's, a, you know. The, I I would guess that it it comes out to them winning two of those games and losing two of those games. Just because I agree with that's you. Yeah, usually yeah. how this how this sort of thing works. Um, and you can even throw Mizzou in that group too if you want. Like yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I think the the finish is pretty clearly eight and four. They are just not beating Bama, Tennessee, or Georgia, and they probably find a way to lose one other game there. But I'll say that it feels like nine and three is much more possible than seven and five. I agree. Okay, let's talk about Missouri, uh, which you, uh, you you dove into and, and sent me a sent me a couple texts about last night. And the conclusion that we came to essentially is that yep, they're still Missouri. Looks pretty much the same as they have for uh, for quite some time now. It is if you've watched Missouri play football before, you've watched them play football this year. I don't think it's going to be a whole no, it's going to be a whole lot different what they're doing this time. Yeah. The personnel is almost identical too. Like they they have their top 3 quarterbacks, top 2 running backs, tight end starter. Uh they're they're they have seven players starting multiple games the old line back. They had two transfers there too, but they uh they they have eight total defensive starters back. Like the only guys they lost are really Dominic Lovett who transferred to Georgia. Um Trajan Jeffcoat was pretty good defensive end who's off to Arkansas. And then three other contributors on defense with safety, Martez Manuel, defensive lineman, Isaiah McGuire, and, and uh, DJ Coleman. Um, they also did lose their number two receivers. That, that makes their top two receivers, uh, Barrett Bannister, who's kind of just like a replacement level slot SEC guy. Um, he is gone to graduation as well. Um, hopefully he's retired football. That guy cannot play. Um, look, it's a fucking Drinkwitz offense. He's just a dickhead, right? Like, I don't really understand what he's doing here with this quarterback battle. Because we talked about it last week or yesterday. But, like, Brady Cook is the first bell-to-bell starter for the Mizzou in three years. He replaced yeah. his starters multiple times both other years. Um, but they then are, like, presented Sam Horford's start. Like, I don't, Brady Cook was fine. Like, 
he 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 had a 65% completion rate, a sub 2% interception rate, and ran for 600 yards too, and added six touchdowns to the ground. Like, that's a pretty good quarterback for Missouri. Yeah, I I hope that the uh, I do I like Kirby Moore, who they brought in from Fresno State, the offensive coordinator. I think that he is me too. Um, fine. I I hope that he gets to I hope he gets some say in how the offense works because I'm sick of Drinkwitz. Uh, just the shit that he does. I think it's it's very very standard and he doesn't really have a whole lot of answers for things they just do the rpo shit it's the rpo slush that everybody else is is running in this fucking conference yeah um and and more doesn't necessarily just do that he has i mean he's a tedford guy and they have a lot of play action stuff it's it's uh, he's more from the kalen DeBoer tedford tree than than from the rpo slush tree and i would like to see more of that um on the quarterback stuff yeah i I mean like if sam horn is obviously better in fall camp then just go with him you don't need to do this split shit if if you think horn is better then just do it but if it's that they are roughly the same or even just that you want to give horn the chance like go with cook he's a proven starter you don't need to do this you don't it doesn't always have to be complicated and annoying at quarterback you can just have a starter it's fine you don't you don't have to do this you don't have to challenge him all the time he proved himself he was fine he ran the offense the way you wanted him to yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I think they're the only reason you do this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is just actually tearing it up in camp. Like, is that crazy? I, I think. It's pretty, if, pretty I mean, unlikely. if he is, just name him the starter. What's the point in in fucking around and doing it with both of them? If you if you're confident in him, if he's playing well enough that you want to do this, he should be playing well enough that he can be the starter. Just name him the starter. Have some fucking conviction. It, it, yeah, it, I, it bugs I agree. me. It always bugs me when a team wants to go into the the year with two quarterbacks. Pick one, motherfucker. It's not that hard. It's your job. Just yeah. pick a quarterback. Yep. It, I agree. Yeah. Other than that, the tail of this offense is the O line. Um, they were pretty poor last year. They were 70th nationally in sack rate. PFF had them as the 44th ranked team among Power Five teams in their grading system. Um, but they do have seven guys made multiple starts coming back, and they also added two pretty solid transfers with. Marcellus Johnson of Eastern Michigan and Cameron Johnson of Houston. Um, so th- this group has a total of their top eight guys have 122 combined career starts, which is pretty impressive. Um, they're going to have Javon Foster back at left tackle, two-year starter with 28 career starts. Marcellus Johnson at right tackle. Um, they have Cameron Johnson going to start at left guard. Very good player. First team all ACC. Um, they have uh, Connor Tolleson back at center, who started all 12 games last year. It was pretty bad, but it seems like he's improved in fall camp. The right guard battles between Xavier Delgado and, um, and Armand Membu. Um, Delgado's kind of the, the veteran hand with 28 career starts. Membu started five games last year, but they seem to love him and think he's a Sunday player. Um, it seems like Membu's going to start that job, and Delgado is like the depth guy between the interior OL. Um, Cameron Johnson also, by the way, can play center a bit too if, if Tolson goes down. Uh, and they also have guard Vance Pulgar, who had 11 starts at Buffalo, and EJ and Do- Oma Ogar, who started twice last year for them in the interior with tackle Mitchell Walters, made four starts last year back. That is like eight or nine deep, right? That's a solid crew. Yeah. Um, that O-line should be good. Um, tight end, the same as ever was. Tyler Stevens is back. He only blocks. He had five catches on seven targets last year, despite playing basically every snap. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great time for him, I'm sure. Uh, they brought in Brett Norfleet as a blue chip freshman, but we'll see about that. I don't really know why you go here as a blue blue chip tight end uh-huh. um the running backs are just the definition of like mid-off between these two guys they have cody schrader and nathaniel pete who combined for 1183 yards and nine touchdowns on 4.4 yards per carry yeah they are just two replacement level backs with no one to replace them yep um 
Yeah, the, uh, the receiver is just totally, yeah. totally nothing. Just fine. That you, you could, they are the guys you would compare against if you were trying to find like, oh, how how much better or worse than my guy is, is my guy than average. You just say, well, let's let's put him up against Nathaniel Pete. Uh, no, yeah. they don't. They <laughs> don't the do Pete line. Yeah, they yeah. don't do anything. They're just they're just there. Just two guys. Yep, hundred um, percent. They lose their top two targets, wide receiver. I mentioned Dominic. Love it. And Barrett Bannister, who has a fucking Game of Thrones ass name. Yeah. Um, they do have a freshman All-American here in Luther Burden, who's like their top recruit in a long time. Uh-huh. There's a lot of buzz around him. They seem to love him. I admit some of his like individual highlights are pretty impressive, but he also just had 375 receiving yards at 8.3 yards of reception. A team that plays receivers every snap and, you know, like once to get the ball to that, that's the only thing they do. Yeah. So I'm kind of believing when I see it, but he has quicks. He's really good as a, as a kick returner. I like him a lot. I think he'll contribute. I, I just don't know. Like people like are talking about him. Like he did the same thing like Evan Stewart did, or like you know, like he's a a Marvin Harrison style freak. He's not that. Yeah. Um, and like he 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 could be. He has he has a lot of talent. I think he could be a really good player. I do have some worries, and this will apply to the entire receiver room. You're going to talk about you know Mookie Cooper's here from Ohio State. Mackay Miller looked pretty good late last season. Theo Weiss from Oklahoma. Dance Jackson. Why is he Mass, still right? here, dude? Yeah, why is Theo Weiss still here? Why do we need him? Uh, it's not necessary. But uh, the, the concern that I have with all of these guys, one is that a lot of them are just sort of washouts who were former blue chip guys. But also, I don't really know that this offense, and maybe it'll change with more, I don't think Drinkwitz is especially good at highlighting star players, which is weird because he no. keeps landing five-star receivers, but he doesn't really know what to do with them. He's not very good at getting them open. He's not very good at, at highlighting what they're good at. Um, 8.3 yards per, se- per yards per reception for Luther Burden is like, you have to try to make it that bad. That's you, horrible. It's, it's, yeah. Are you just throwing fucking screens to him? What's wrong with you? Why, <laughs> why isn't he going down the field? What the hell? It's, uh, I, I'm worried about the ability to make any of these receivers stand out as good, even if some of them might be good. Yeah. And I will say, by the way, the fact that Lovett did as much downfield as he did, despite this offense being so stupid, does make me think he might be a freak in Georgia. But we'll see about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. The offense is pedestrian. Like, I, I don't really get the hype. I think fans are being pretty foolish about this. They're just kind of looking at washout transfers who are playing here and thinking they're like the five stars they were in high school, which doesn't really work that way. Like, I, I think the best case scenario is you have a good receiving core with guys who just like can make plays happen individually despite the offense, which is just not a recipe for consistent success. And teams can stop that. Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, defense, they have eight starters back. I like Blake Baker as their DC. I don't know how you feel about him. That's I like a, him a fair bit. It's another Diaz um, guy. We talked about Diaz earlier. It's another Diaz mm, guy. I'm more, I, I, listen, I'll make the allegations. I am not a many Diaz fan. Don't say that I am. No one say that. Okay. Um, I'm going to say it. All right. <laughs> don't say it, dude. I'm going to get online and I'm uh, going to start saying it. <laughs> Nobody can yeah. stop me. Um, <laughs> two of the guys they lost on this defense are their defensive end is mcguire dj coleman who are both pretty good players they both are kind of the only pressure creators of defense last year um darius robinson who is their star for the tackle and probably their best defensive lineman last year by a pretty wide margin has moved to end uh he is not very long but he is quick um the other guys fucking a dude uh, they have Joe Moore from Arizona State, who had three and a half career sacks after three years. Strong um, candidate. Johnny Walker, Joe Moore, strong <laughs> candidate for the Joe Moore Award heading into this season. I think you got to think he's <laughs> the favorite good. at this point. 
That's pretty good. That, yep. Thank you, Patrick. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny Walker Jr. is back. They also brought in Baylor transfer Josh Landry. Nothing really going there. Defensive ends besides Robinson are bad, and Robinson's not really a defensive end. They have nothing here. Um, defensive tackle, Christian Williams, I think, is pretty solid uh, at the nose spot or the one-tech spot. They have Jaden Jernigan or Realist George uh, looking to play heavy snaps. Oh, they kind of only have three George. guys. To- <laughs> Yeah, oh, <laughs> he's the realest of all the Georges. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some good names this team. Yeah, um, I, I like Johnny Walker Jr. too. That sounds like a whiskey brand. Yeah, well, I wonder why. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> they have, they basically have like three tackles and like one, like a half of an end. Um, the D line might be dog shit. However, the linebackers and defensive backs are very good. Um, Tyron Hopper is a dog. Uh, he is very, very good. I think one of the better linebackers in this conference. Chad Bailey, dependable starter inside linebacker. Uh, Damian Wilson was pretty good. He's back there. Um, they also brought in a Juco All-American with Tristan Newson, who I, I think with those four, it's a pretty good crew. Uh, I'm pretty confident what they have there. Um, again, uh, they have Chris Abram-Strain, who is one of the best corners in this conference back there. And his uh, running mate, Ennis Rakestraw, is also back here. Yeah, Pretty, pretty good corner duo. I'm pretty happy there. Uh, Jalen Carlees is back with 28 career starts at strong safety and deep safety Joseph Charleston, uh, who had 12 career starts is back. Both were pretty good players last year. Um, it seems that they have uh, Dalen Carnell, who started their bowl game, going to play nickel. Um, they also have Texas A&M transfer, Dre Norwood coming in, and two transfers from the, the state of Florida with Sidney Williams, who's uh, and, and Trevez Johnson. Um, Williams, the former top 100 player, I think Johnson was top 200. Um, Marcus Clark, who's a former Miami transfer, is part of the third cornerback. There's like some maybe some depth issues here with guys who are just like talented but not necessarily proven. But by and large, very good secondary. Um, if the D line can just be fine, this is I think a top twenty five defense with a lot of a lot of seniors, a lot of veterans that can play really well. Yeah, yep, agree with that. I um I, I will say if this is what the hype is about, this defense with a with a, a very questionable defensive line, uh, I think people are maybe fooling themselves a little bit with thinking that Missouri's going to be very good this year or good at all. Um that's not the right weakness to have if you're building a defense. You don't want to start with the the back seven and then not have a very good defensive line. I, no. I, I how much is it going to matter that they have these awesome linebackers when the defensive line is getting pushed around? I don't I don't see a whole lot really worth paying attention to with these guys if I'm going to be honest. I, I think this is just a, a a completely mid football team again, which is what they fucking always are. Yeah, it, it exactly is exactly what they are. The difference is just that the rest of the division is like worse than them. Like you know what I mean? Like Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Florida pretty much didn't time up their their cycles very well mm-hmm. um and they yeah. also <laughs> that was a bad phrase yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they also play they play a relatively tough schedule too with two questionable non-con games so to run through this really quick here they open up with south dakota and then get middle tennessee which are two wins mm-hmm. uh kansas state comes to town which will be an asshole thing yeah um this is the kind of team that will work them, especially early in the year with that line being questionable. Uh-huh. They will run for 375 yards. Uh-huh. Uh, if you, I would say, buy stock on Treshawn Ward in that game. Yeah. Buy, buy, buy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. After that, they play a neutral site game in St. Louis with Memphis, which apparently they're branding as the Mizzou to the Lou series. 
so it's fun to know if you're if you're a Mizzou to the Lou head. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. Everything with this they program. They probably beat is, Memphis, right? Yeah. Now. Everything with this program. <laughs> really cool. A lot of cool stuff going yeah. on for them. Yeah, I think they probably. Just one beat of the corniest Memphis. guys of all time running the program. That's yeah. Why. Yeah. I think they probably beat Memphis as a three and one start. I think they get Vanderbilt. So we're talking about a four and one start, which is fine because then I it's agree. a quality win on the road for LSU when they uh, <laughs> when Missouri hosts them in the uh, in the sixth game. So four and two uh, at Kentucky, I think, is also a loss. Four and three South Carolina at home. Uh, where do you come down on this one? I think they probably get South Carolina at home. I mean, it's a it, these are two pretty average teams, but again, South Carolina is going to Columbia. Okay. Call it five and three. Yep. Um, for the bye week, they go at Georgia and home against Tennessee. Mm. Uh, average margin of loss of like forty points there. Yeah. Um, five, and, five and five. Five and five. And and also, and they, I think they also now you're hurt heading into two winnable games at the end of the season. So good job. <laughs> that's that's great. Yeah. Good, uh, well, they don't pick that schedule. No. no. <laughs> but they could have picked better players. That would be what I would do. I would just get better players. Me too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then they close the season at home. Uh, home against Florida, and then at uh, Arkansas to end the year. I, I think it's six and six here. I think they probably get Florida, yep. but they lose at Arkansas. That's my read too. Six and six. Another Mizzou year. Cool. Why is there hype? What's the um, point? What is the point of doing this? Why do we need to do this? Just, just stop playing. You're gonna just go six and six every year. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You just do something yeah. else. Just find something better to do with your time than. <laughs> playing as Missouri football. You don't need to do it. Um, another perpetual 6-6 six and six team here. Let's talk about South Carolina. Oh, boy, dude. These coaching changes are bad. Oh. These are nasty, nasty work. Okay. Um, all the hype last year, they're going to blow it all this season. They, they listen. This, how do you lose an offensive coordinator as an SEC team that wins eight games to Nebraska? They lost Marcus Satterfield to Nebraska. And, like, um, he sucks, so it's not the end of the world. But that is – it is still uh, from the Well, he's optics, better than the guy they have now, I'll tell you that. Yeah, from the optics, it's very funny that that's, that that's what you have going yeah. on, is that you're losing your offensive coordinator to Nebraska. And it's their own fault, too, because they gave him a – basically, he was on an expiring contract. They gave him, like, a one-year prove-it deal instead of, like, paying for the extra year, which would have been, you know, a, like – $50,000 buyout if you have to fire him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a coordinator. Yes, they lost him. They also, uh, Greg Atkins, their own line coach, had to step away due to medical reasons. Uh, and defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsay was hired away to Brian Kelly's LSU. By the way, he since has had off-field issues his own with the medical side. He has been away from the team and probably will be for a while. Um, the hires come in are all really bad. Uh, yeah. They brought in... You know Dow Loggins? Do you know who that is? <laughs> Crazy ass name. Um, <laughs> I would assume he was uh, he was he was he was touring with uh, with Darius Rucker. That sounds like a Darius Pretty Rucker good. character. Yeah, like backup player in Fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Dowell Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is an Adam Geist disciple. Adam Gase, rather, who is yeah. one of the, the worst offensive minds in the history of football. Yeah. Who ran the Jets into the ground uh, more than most Jets coaches. Uh, he was an OC in the NFL for four different teams in the last six years and was uh, fired from each of those jobs. Hmm. Um, that's, <laughs> if you're hiring the Come guy on. who's been fired four times in six years and Adam Gase disciple, I'd say that's not awesome. That's not what you want to hear. No. Um, the offensive line uh, position now, they had a pretty good coach there. They hired a former analyst, Lonnie Teasley, um, who has never had an FBS coaching position before was an FCS line coach for three different stints from 2017 and 2020. None of them were awesome. Um, and then they hired Travian Robertson for the D-line coach, who's a South Carolina alum, who had the last four seasons coaching the D-line at Georgia State. 
I don't really think much of Georgia State's deep line. Like, do you see anyone there who is a dude? They had the one yeah. sack leader in 2020, right? Um, it was good. Yeah, Thomas Gore was pretty good. They had a couple guys who were decent. It was never like the issue is that they would have stars, but they never really put it together into anything, which is you could say his fault or you could say the head coach's fault. I'd, I'd probably lean more towards the latter. They had a couple guys. It was it was it was fine. They were they it's were fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, here's the bigger problem. Not only did they downgrade on their personnel and the coaching staff, their roster, they lose four of their top five receiving targets. Uh, their leading rusher, who's the excellent Marshawn Lloyd, uh, they lose four of their five starting offensive linemen who combined for more than 140 career starts in and uh, and where is that? Columbia also, right? Yeah, Columbia. Yeah. Um, the offense is like a two man game, dude. They also lose seven defensive starters. Uh, Cam Smith and Zach Pickens are both top 100 NFL draft picks. Yeah. That's everybody. You lose the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, at least you have a bad quarterback. That's good. At least you have the, <laughs> the shitty, mean quarterback who everybody on his team hates. That's, uh, that'll, that'll be, that'll be good. Yeah. I, I really don't think we need to spend a ton of time on these guys. They stink. There's nothing here. There's nothing. Well, I do, like, I do want to be mean to Spencer Rattler for one second here. Okay. Um, Everyone was kind of praising him last year for the basically the games against Tennessee and Clemson. And to be fair, he look we make fun of him a lot. He was incredible those two games. You have to give it to him. He played very very well those two games. Yeah. Um, the other eleven games, he <laughs> averaged two hundred two and a half yards of passing per game. Had the same number of interceptions and two touchdowns. Yeah. He basically was still Spencer Rattler. It's just that no one watched them all year, and they played two <laughs> national games where he played awesome. Um, That's so sick. He's he's fucking. He's doing it on purpose. He's purposefully. He he can turn it on only when people are watching. That's so funny. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, I <laughs> why mean, would you let this guy be, be around your fucking program as a coach? Why would you keep him here? He's obviously yeah. sandbagging. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, god. Okay, they do lose four of their full-time starters, but return four players who have at least some start experience. Um, I don't know. Like, man, they they had a guy who was benched for Sean Lee, Jakai Moore. Uh, they had to move inside because he was too bad at left tackle. Um, they had Tyshawn Wanamaker who had to start because of injuries to Dylan Wadham. Um, Trey Jones had to start a little bit because everyone else was hurt. Their best lineman is probably a Yale transfer. Um, who's undersized. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a pretty... There's certainly multiple players who really should not play the SC level and also have no chemistry. Yeah. Um, and the, and the, they, the, they, the skill core, too, looking at it, is not really a whole lot better. They, they've, like, uh, Juju McDowell is here at running back. He is another just average guy. Trey Knox yeah, at tight end is... Individual. Yeah, Trey Knox yeah. at tight end is... is Find the Arkansas transfer. I like him, yeah, but he's, he's clearly worse than having Austin Stoger or Jaheim Bell. Yeah, especially Bell. Um, Juice you, Wells is sick. You yeah, that. You, you like Juice Wells. Juice Wells is good. Um, you don't? I don't really know a whole lot about Juice Wells. I'm going to be honest with you. I also didn't watch a pull lot up. of South Carolina football yeah. last year. Cause... Pull up when you when you're after we're done with this. Pull up some Juice Wells highlights. Okay. Um, and then they're basically they're relying on a lot of freshmen and 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 transfers. They they're hoping that Eddie Lewis from Memphis will be better than pedestrian. Well, I think he's... got hurt. I think okay. I saw he got hurt. Great. I was going to say better than pedestrian, which he's never been, but also he's hurt. So cool. Um, and then Dakarian Joiner, who I continue to believe in, but I my belief has never ever been. <laughs> answered with him i think it's probably not going to happen um and then they've got a uh they got a five-star freshman who is also hurt it sounds like 
Yeah, well, he was like not practicing. It's kind of unclear why. There was not an answer given about that. Okay. So that's always cool. That's Nicholas. Uh, also, he, Nicholas Harbor, right? Yeah. Also, he should not be playing wide receiver. He is a freak defensive end, at like 6'5", 240. Yeah. He's just he's like a world class runner. But come on, like <laughs> I, I don't care if like you don't have a good receiver. It's like you have one of the best defensive ends in the country. Play him a defensive end. Yeah. Especially um, after and we, Rattler sucks. Yeah, and yeah. you look at the defense; it's not like they have a whole bunch of good defensive ends. They lose, uh, they they lose Jordan Birch and Gilbert Edmond, both transferred out. Um, they're and they were so bad last year with multiple NFL players there. Yeah, I, dude, it's it's really it's really not good. There's really not a whole lot to like on this on this team. If it, yeah. unless you have any guys who you want to shout out, I think we could probably roll through this schedule. Because no, it's not, I just I just want to point out how bad. No, you're right. You're right. I, like the defensive line last year, this defense finished 127th in rushing defense on yards per carry, <laughs> 110th in sack rate, and 130th in stuff rate. Um, and like their four best guys are all gone. Where do they even find so... the opponents to do that against? How did you do that shit? <laughs> Kentucky wasn't running the ball last year. What happened to you? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah they, they lose Cam Smith and Darius Rush in the back end. I'll say the one player, the there are two players team I really like. I uh, shout out Juice Wells already. The other one is Nick Emanwari, who was a freshman All American at safety. He is a six foot four, two hundred twenty pound safety who moves well in coverage. That guy is a freak, and I'm looking forward to seeing what team he plays for in 2024 because it will yeah. not be South Carolina. That'll be cool. Um, yeah, it's like we were talking about with Arizona State. You're a developmental program at the P5 level. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Have some self respect. Like 113th in returning production. Great. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Good stuff. Uh, seems like everything's trending well there. Let's roll through this schedule. Uh, they start the season with a neutral site game against North Carolina. They get Furman at home at Georgia and Mississippi State at home. That's a pretty tough way to start the season. That's a that's a pretty that's rough, one and three. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty rough stretch. I think that's one and three. Maybe they can get Mississippi State, but I don't feel great about it. And it's not going to get a whole lot better because then they go to Tennessee. So we we could be talking about a one and four start here heading into a, a, a Florida game at home that we were talking about earlier is a, a true toss-up. Um, I, I would guess that they emerge from this slate 2-5, and five, that they, they, they find a way to win a second game along with the Furman one, but I don't think they're going to do a whole lot yeah. more than that, or 2-4. and four. Um, I don't think they're going to do a whole lot more than that in that, that opening half. Yeah, because the next two games, I agree with you. I have a 2-4 as well. We don't know where the second one comes from. They'll get somebody. Yeah. Um, then they get Missouri and Texas A&M on the road. Okay. Um, those are two losses. Okay. Uh, that's two, two and six. Two and six. Well, Jacksonville State, they they probably beat that team. That's three and six. Yeah, I think so. And Vanderbilt <laughs> I think is they, four and six. Yeah, I think they can probably <laughs> handle themselves against Jacksonville State. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll give them Vanderbilt, too. So that's four and six. Okay. And then you get Kentucky and Clemson, who you lose against. Yep. Um, cool. I guess the one thing to note here is if they out from expectations again they somehow if we're just wrong and they get mississippi state florida and missouri which i guess is not insane to think i certainly would not pick it but it's not insane it's not impossible um they do get four straight home games to end the year could build a momentum there yeah but again this to me this is a four and eight team not stepping a bowl game yep yep i agree let's talk about tennessee which uh you 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 can't stop liking tennessee every year they're gonna get you now with josh heupel there might be a new NC State, but look, they proved me right last year. They looked very good last year. Yeah. Um, sure. They they quote unquote lose Alex Galesh from the OC role. Um, yeah. He is the <laughs> South Florida head coach. Yeah. Um, they have Joey Hazel coming in to be the OC, uh, and they 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 upgraded him uh, from his previous job as quarterbacks coach. 
uh, and they promoted their offensive analyst Alec Albin to take over tight ends coach. Yeah, it's just more hypo guys doing hypo shit, right? It's yeah. it's uh, yeah, yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, the, the the easiest comparison I can give here for people who don't have a ton of context for this, um, they've lost Kamala Harris from the vice presidency. Oh no! Oh no! She did so much for us, Alex Galesh. He did so much. He was out there. He was he was you know talking about buses. He was uh, he was hanging out with the quarterbacks. He's not doing <laughs> shit. He's not doing anything. He's just standing there. He's just. He's just next to Josh Heupel. He's not. He's not coaching. His ass is not coaching, and that's why he's at South Florida. They don't want a football coach. They just want a guy who stands there. They just want a guy who stands, who stood next to someone famous. It's cool. It's cool to do. It's a good way to hire a football coach. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, yeah. Not my problem. I guess none of my. Yeah, business. they're not. They're not winning a title here, so I guess it's gonna be fine. Like yeah. uh, whatever. It's uh. They also lose, of course, Hendon Hooker, uh, quarterback, wide receiver, Shannon High, and Cedric Tillman. And then first round off the tackle, Darnell Wright are all gone uh, from the offense. But Byron Young is also gone on defense. He is one of their only defensive losses. They have eight starters back there. Worth kind of noting for later in the preview. Yeah. Um, we have the new Anthony Richardson, but maybe the better model of it with Joe Milton here. Um, better model? God help me, Patrick. God help me. <laughs> no. No, dude. I'm starting... I- <laughs> <laughs> I think that Joe Milton no. with he he has played a lot of reps. He's not like Richardson's problem is he had basically no reps and then was still shitty. That was like, not his only problem. Me, <laughs> that's not his only problem. But you could convince me if you gave Richardson two more like another year starting at the college level, two full years of starter, he could become a good player. Milton has started what like eight games in his career. He did not look very good doing them. Uh, I will <laughs> I will acknowledge that. I mean the Joe Milton, you know. Hype train probably is not, uh, uh, you know, based on the fact that he has completed like fifty-seven percent of his passes in his career, is not awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. However, I'm gonna let you hang yourself with this rope. I'm gonna just let you go with this. Look, one. go ahead. L- yep. l- l- last year, he completed sixty-five percent of his passes for twelve yards an attempt with ten touchdowns and no picks. Uh huh. Um, he looked good last year, uh, like. He was bad the year before that, and the year before that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I kind of like what I've seen from Milton last year as a backup. The, re- the reports from the media and Hypo that Milton has not thrown a single interception in all of fall camp is pretty fucking nuts. Oh, come on. Um, if that's true. Again, I know it's camp hype. I-, I know, but like, it's a pretty easy system to play in, right? They make it pretty easy for you. It's not a very hard thing to do. He has a lot of arm talent. The receivers are very good. The O-line is going to be very good again, despite losing, uh, despite losing right a couple other guys. Like, they have pieces here to surround him that I think should feel pretty good. I think I'm buying on Joe Milton's stock. No, I'm not saying he's going to be, like, you know, a top five quarterback in America, but Joe Milton is, like, a top 20 starter who plays well. I think I'll buy that. There are I, – I understand the the it's an easy offense to play in, and I, I think he probably will put up pretty good numbers this season because of that, but – there are two things that you really need for this offense for it to function as a quarterback. You need to be decisive and you need to be accurate. And Joe Milton is not either of those things. I like. I don't care how far he can throw the fucking football. It's not going to be in the right place. It never has been. It, uh, he, he, his decision-making is bad. He doesn't process quick enough. And he's not accurate. Those are the two things that you need to work in this offense. It's it's. I don't understand why they would want him for this. That's not why you brought in Hendon Hooker, and that's not why Hendon Hooker worked. It's not because he had some huge arm. It's because he could process really quickly. I think the argument is that, like, with, you know, five 
years of college reps that he's learned those things. Yeah, you would think. And yet, <laughs> I don't know that I believe that he has. He was so bad. He was so, so far behind on those things not that long ago. I, I mean, yeah, the vast majority of what we have seen from Joe Milton is an incompetent quarterback, is a guy who doesn't know what he's doing back there. Yeah, I get it, dude. I under, look, I, I completely understand your point. I, I get where you're coming from. Or at least I am buying the hype. I am maybe falling for their lies. But, like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, I just kind of like Tennessee this year. Like, I like the O-line. Um, you know, they have uh, they have Cooper Mays back for the best center in the country. Javante Spragans at right guard is very, very good. Glenn Ellerby's a great O-line coach. And he also gets Jeremiah Crawford and Gerald Mincy back, who started every game and tackle between them last year on the left side. Um they have a Texas transfer and Andres Carrick and a Miami transfer and John Campbell. Campbell trick is pretty solid. Um, you know, they have a Chuco product and Larry Johnson, who seems really good. And redshirt freshman Addison Nichols, everyone wanted, look really good in fall camp. Like, I think they have a pretty good O-line. The wide receivers are sick. Uh, Brew McCoy is awesome, despite being old. Ramel Keaton and Squirrel White had more than 60 catches last year for over 1,000 yards combined. Um, they're good. They brought in Dante Thornton from Oregon, who's a, a solid player. Um, you know, like, I think it looks good. The running backs are all the same. The top three backs all back again. Um, they have more than 2,000 yards rushing those three, and they're all back. Like, I just think this is an offense that has the ability to protect Milton a little bit and give him time to figure it out. And I think – I think Tennessee can do that. Like, I, I mean, like I, I'm pulling up their schedule right now, but they don't really play a good defense until, you know, week seven. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Virginia's defense was pretty good last year. They're not going to lose to Virginia, but that, Come on. that was, that yeah. was a good defense. That was a top 25 defense last year. All right. Well, <laughs> it no was, um, <laughs> I don't have to tell you it was, it was a good defense. Okay, fine. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm buying the Tennessee offense as remaining a top 15 offense. And the defense gets better. Okay. Well, so, okay. Yeah, th- that's 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 fine. I don't disagree that Tennessee's probably a top 15 team. Why, are, why, why would they finish? It would be the same thing then this year, right? It would be, you know, 10 and 2-ish. Yeah, well, the same thing is pretty good. Yeah. I guess, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm not selling them as a title contender. I'm saying they're not that. I'm saying they're... Yeah, okay. They're they're like pretty clear. The I think they're the fourth best team in the SEC by a pretty wide margin. Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. So who's on this defense? What 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 has sold you on this defense? Yeah, uh, they have Byron Young gone at defensive end, but like the edge position broadly is pretty solid. Um, defensive line general, you have Tyler Barron, Roman Harrison, Dominic Bailey, James Peer, Joshua Joseph, Tyree West, all veterans. They have Davon Hobbs, apparently a freak as a freshman. Jadavian Bradley's there. Caleb Herring, um, you know. Omari Thomas is back defensive tackle. Karat Garland's back. Um, they seem to like Elijah Simmons and Arizona State transfer Omar Norman Lott. Like they just have like 10 play 10 or 11 playable guys in the D-line who have power up experience and have looked competent to good doing it. It's just one of the deepest D- they don't have the same like high-end talent of an Alabama, a Georgia, and Ohio State, a Clemson at the defensive line. But just as far as like depth. It's right there with like AM is that one of the deepest deep lines in the country. Um, just a lot of guys who can play. I think that matters a bit. That's a position where you want to rotate, especially in this conference. I think that helps. Um, linebacker has Aaron Beasley back, who's one of the best linebackers in America. 
Um, they brought in Keenan Peely from BYU, who seems, I don't know, you probably watched him more than I did, but I like him a fair bit. Um, they also have, yeah, he's what'd fine. you say? He's fine. He's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Elijah Herring's pretty good as a backup. Arian Carter is another, is a freshman who uh, might get reps, a top 100 player. They're getting everyone else wanted in the country. Um, their corners are very good. They have Danico Slaughter and Kamal Haddon back and brought in Gabe Judy Lolly. That's a pretty damn good top three. Um, Brandon Turner is also a senior who's played a lot of real reps there before. Um, you know, they have uh, they have some solid safeties here. Tamari McDonald, Jalen McCullough back at star and safety. Uh, you have Wesley Walker, who has played there as a backup and played pretty well, who I think was their top rated player by PFF, who's now going to start. Um, Audrey Turrington's a former blue chip who's there. But they just have, I don't know, like five legitimate options at safety and like four, or sorry, five a corner and four at safety. I think linebackers, a team strength and D line super deep. I think it's probably like a top 15 or 20 defense. I like Tim Banks a good bit. So if you have a top 15 or 20 defense and a top 15 ish offense, um, you can play with a lot of football teams. Yeah. Let's talk about the schedule. Let's talk about who they can play with. Um, they start the season. I mean, really, honestly, there are what? Four, five games on this schedule we're talking about, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. I think they're going to. So they're first gonna five Florida. games are all wins, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. it's. I, you beat Virginia, beat Austin P, Florida, UTSA. I think that game's going to be fun, but UTSA is not going to win. Um, and South Carolina, I, I think, all comfortably wins for Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and then you get into a, an interesting three-game stretch here with Texas A&M at home and then at Alabama and at Kentucky. I think they go two and one in that stretch. I think it probably looks like a loss to Bama. Yeah. Um, A&M, I just got to believe it when I see it, right? Like, like I just, I'm not willing to believe this is actually a good offense until I see them be a good offense. And the defense, while its defensive line is sick, um, their secondary is I don't know, like a lot of losses there. That's not the time you want to play Tennessee, right? Like I think, and it's also coming to Newland. I think Tennessee wins that game. I think they beat Bama. I think they can just, like they can win a rock fight against Kentucky, which is wild. If they can play Kentucky football as well as Kentucky this year, and I think be fine doing it. Yep. Um, I think it's two and, I think it's a two and one stretch, which makes them, uh, what is that? Makes them seven and one overall uh-huh. going into UConn. Yep. Yeah, which... Big game. Big game. Um, <laughs> big big game at home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's UConn at home at Missouri and then Georgia and Vanderbilt at home to end the season. So 10 and 2. Um, yeah. 10 and 2. 10 and like, 2. I, don't, I also don't think, like, you were talking about Bama in a second here. Like, the holes at Bama and Georgia, I don't think Tennessee wins out of those games. In fact, they probably lose both by, like, 10 points. But if you have a freak turnover game, like, where someone just fucks up, you get a little fumble luck. Right, like I don't think they're that far behind those two teams. They couldn't get an upset. I think it's possible. Okay. Um, I'm not predicting that at all. I think they're a ten and two team that doesn't really contend for anything to the New Year's Six Bowl. But that's a good season. Yeah, yeah, that's a good season. It's better than where they once were. Um, Ryan, can you think of anything that is worth knowing about Vanderbilt? Is there anything at all that that anyone should really care about with this team? Okay. Man. Um... <laughs> I, I Ray mean, Davis is gone. I guess that matters a little bit. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. Or I, I would, like. Uh, yeah. Huh. Um, uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, no, I basically the short answer is is no. I don't think they do. Yeah, I, I mean, I will give I'll give Clark Lee some credit. I'll give Vanderbilt some some credit. I'll say something positive. They did. They went five and seven. They had some impressive wins. Some of them were admittedly 
pretty lucky with some turnover stuff like you mentioned. But that's better than they had been doing. They seem to have a direction that they are heading in. It's just that the talent is not there, and they lost a lot of guys who made that team last year even somewhat interesting. I, I think it's we've talked about this being a long rebuild, and it's still going to be long. It's going to take a while. There's not a whole lot of wins on this schedule or even potential wins on this schedule. And I, I think that we would be honestly kind of doing a disservice to Vanderbilt by taking too close of a look at them right now because they are very much still a work in progress, and I just don't think that there's a whole lot to pay attention to here. Yeah. They had some good freshmen. That's about it. There's not much else cooking there. Um, let's do the schedule. Uh, yeah. Let's just go run through it here because they, 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 I think they have a three and one start. Uh, they get Hawaii, Alabama, AM, Wake Forest, and UNLV, the latter two are road games in the first four weeks. Yeah. They probably go three and one there. Yeah. Um, and then they find a way to win one more of the next eight, even though I think there'll be dogs in every game. Yeah. Um, pretty heavy. Those yeah, next pretty game, heavy dogs in the yeah. next. They're, um, they're, they are underdogs per SP plus by a, a minimum of 13.5 points in their last, uh, their last eight games. The minimum is, is Missouri. Jesus. Yeah. It's rough. Huh? Well, yeah. I mean, those games just run through them really quick here. It's Missouri at Florida, Georgia at home by week at Ole Miss, Auburn at South Carolina by week. Cause they play week zero at Tennessee. Brutal. Um, I don't know. Maybe you catch Missouri, Florida, or Kentucky at Missouri at home, Florida on the road, Vanderbilt or Auburn at home, South Carolina on the road. I mean, three and nine is probably the safe bet, but I, I feel like they just, they, they won a couple of tight games last year and played pretty well in pressure. Yeah. I think they can get four and eight. Yeah. I, I would like to give them four and eight, even if I don't think there's really a four and eight team here necessarily, just because it does seem like they've been able to steal a couple before. And I, I think that this is a good staff that they have. I think that they are heading in the right, in the right direction. There's just, there's not a whole lot to be excited about with them this season. Yep. Uh, let's get into the SEC West. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Um, so Alabama, you heard of them. You've seen them. You know about them? Yeah, yeah, vaguely. I, again, I, I know of them. I know what they're generally doing there. Um, I, I will say, I, I will I will say, I will plant my flag here as we go into this. I am not an Alabama believer this season. I think this is a distinctly down year for them relative to where they have been. I don't like this team. We agree. We agree on this. I will say when I do my roster analysis, which is painstaking, um, I came away higher on their defense than I thought I was going to be. Uh, and I think even they're like, there are things to like about this team, right? Like the, like the fact is they've had two of, I think they had two of the five best recruiting classes ever currently on this roster, which does make a difference. There are just guys who are going to come up in like to money years here pretty soon. That makes a difference. Um, but there's a lot of assistant turnover and the quarterback play is going to be so bad. And there just aren't a lot of proven dudes here, right? It's like, I mean, Tommy Reese, they, they have two new coordinators. Tommy Reese takes over on offense. Uh, they have Kevin, the Confederate rattlesnake Steel on defense. Yeah. Um, I can't believe that those, they are also, the, those are the coordinators he hired. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. That's your guys in the in the, the big bounce back year? You're going with Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele? Really? Yep. Um, Tommy Reese particularly is just bad. Like, he yeah. has never had an offense in his three years ranked better than 35th in yards per play. They finished outside the top scoring offense twice in his three years at Notre Dame. He produced S&P plus his 49th ranked offense last year in 2022. Let's go. Um, in six combined recruiting classes as QB coach and OC, he signed just three blue chip players. And it's fucking Notre Dame. Three total blue chips in six years. It's ridiculous. You should have a blue chip player every year. Um, 
the Irish never ranked in the top 25 in team pass rating during his entire tenure. Huh. Uh, he had one quarterback drafted, which is Ian Book, who's a day three pick. He didn't even recruit. Yeah. Um, like O'Brien had his faults for sure, but he is clearly better than Tommy Reese. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I then would... even like Kevin Steele, I think Kevin Steele is a good defensive coach. However, I think you could argue football's passed him by a little bit, and he's clearly on the downslide. Like, yeah, yeah I would he, he has, yeah, he's been a coordinator at Blue Blood Southern programs for 12 of the last 15 years. Um, his last three defenses are 2022 Miami, 2021 Tennessee, and 2020 Auburn. Huh. All of them are awful. Uh, <laughs> he finished 38th or worse in scoring defense in all of those years and outside the top 65 on two of them. Hmm. Um, it's also you three new teams in three years is hard, but come on. Yeah, well, it's I mean now it's what four new teams <laughs> in in four years. Which yeah, is, four new teams in four years. Which yeah. is uh, I would also say like yeah that's hard, but also maybe a reflection on Kevin Steele at that point that of course it is yeah, yeah. that no one is keeping him around and and that he's been in some some pretty bad situations such as 2020 Auburn, 2021 Tennessee, and 2022 Miami. Those are not good places to be. Miami, you could talk yourself into, but 2021 Tennessee and 2020 Auburn, you knew what you were, you knew what you were doing. It's, it's, uh, it, it definitely seems like he has sort of, I mean, Saban has rehabbed coordinators before, but Kevin Steele is old as shit and he hasn't really done a lot of asshole. Yeah, a bad guy. He's also, I mean, you, ha- you have to think big threat to taking over as the head coach. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine? If Kevin Steele has the ego to think he can get the Bama job out of this, that is impressive. Yeah, yeah. You do have to respect that confidence at that point. He's pure belief in himself, um, more than I think he is afforded at this point. I, I, it's, it's maybe. I mean, maybe working with Saban, working with the talent he'll have, he can turn it around. I don't imagine the defense is going to be bad or anything, but. I don't really see it with him anymore. I, I don't really, yeah. I don't really know why you couldn't just get a younger version of him, basically, and a younger version of his defense. Why do you need this guy to do it? Yeah, I don't get it. Well, I mean, look, they they had a, a bad team. I mean, bad team for obviously they went ten and two, but like they had a disappointing team last year, and they lose eight uh, picks from day one or two in the draft in that team. Yeah, uh, which is hard. They lose their quarterback, number one overall pick. Their running back, top ten pick. Their tight end, two offensive line starters, their top defensive end, their top outside linebacker, a top three pick. Uh, they lose both inside linebackers and four of their top six defensive backs, including the excellent Brian Branch and Jordan Battle. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a lot to lose in one year. Yeah. I, I mean, basically, the thing, like you were saying earlier, the thing that we're banking on here is a whole bunch of talent, and that's more than enough usually to get Alabama through. And I'm sure it will be again this year for them to be one of the better teams in the country. But. Ah, man, it's you're you're asking a lot if you're talking about this team as a playoff team or a title contender. You're asking a lot of those guys, and you're asking a lot of a staff that has not developed guys as well as it used to in the last couple of years. And maybe they can turn it around, but I just I don't really see it with this group. No, me either. I, I mean, I'll say this for them: I think the O line is going to be one of the best in the country. I have that to, to praise them with. Um, sure. They have McLaughlin at center, who's good. Tyler Booker is one of the better guards in America. Darian Delcourt's been here forever. Uh, and it seems like he's probably going to keep that job, but former top 100 overall player, Terrence Ferguson's in year three and is apparently in a camp battle to beat him out. Um, JC Latham is one of the best tackles in America as a future first round pick, in my opinion. And then the left tackle spot is a battle between 
Elijah Pritchett and and Caden Proctor, who are respectively a redshirt and true freshman. Yeah, um, they are both five stars. Um, that's a very good O line. I mean that that they have three five stars, two other top one hundred players, and two super seniors with starting experience. Their top seven linemen. That should be elite. No questions asked. Yeah. Um, it, it, besides that, I mean, quarterback is coffee baby versus coffee baby versus coffee baby with <laughs> Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and Tyler Buckner. Yeah. Uh, Milrow is going to be the starter. I think it's pretty clear at this point. But through two years of play, he completed less than 57% of his passes at 5.6 yards per attempt with an impossibly high, impossibly high 5% yeah. interception rate. Preposterous. The, the <laughs> ridiculous amount of interceptions to be throwing. One of every 20 attempts is an interception. Come on. Too many. That's too many, brother. You got to bring that down a little bit. And uh, I don't think Tommy Reese is going to do that. I don't think Tommy no. Reese is going to be the guy who brings that down a little bit. I think the best case scenario basically for this offense is that Tommy Reese just runs the shit out of Jalen Milrow and that they, they go back to like 2016 style offensive play, which is a funny regression, but I do think that would work better for them than actually throwing the football. He's not good at it. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, to be fair, I guess Reese kind of wanted to do that with, with Pine a little bit last year, whenever Booker was hurt, mm-hmm. being Booker himself, but like it didn't work. <laughs> Great. <laughs> good. <laughs> so, um, uh, and also the running back room here is fine. Like they have Chase McClellan, who's a former five star for his senior year. He's in his yeah, he's now senior year. He did produce more than 800 scrimmage yards as, as Jameer Gibbs' backup last year, which was pretty good. Uh, it's the first fully healthy year he had the whole time, so injuries are concerned. Their top backup is Jam Miller, uh, or his, the top returning backup is Jam Miller, who has averaged over seven yards per carry uh, in his career, but has also been hurt throughout camp. He's a quad issue. Um, they also have Roydell Williams, who's just a replacement level plugger. And the other big name here to watch, they first of all, they brought in two five stars and, and two top four backs in America in this class. Yeah. Um, the big one to watch is Justice Haynes. We mentioned the Georgia segment. He is a Georgia legacy. There is some juice that he might actually like be the top back in year one. Yeah. Um, I, I will say pretty I, wild. Yeah. I'll say yeah. I subscribe to that theory. I think Justice Haynes is going to be awesome from the jump. I think he's one of the best players on this team, basically. Yeah, I mean, I do think I'll say this. I have like made fun of McClellan. I think he has nothing special there, but McClellan is a player you can trust to, like, he can play football, right? Yeah, he he is. A, this is not like he's not going to be the the Donovan Edwards or, or Blake Corm dynamic, or the even like the Nick single. Maybe he's the Nick Singleton, Catron Allen dynamic. Is what you're looking for? Except the senior is Catron Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um. They're going to be fine running back, I think, probably. O-line's going to be very good. Tight end, they have CJ Dupree coming in, who he looks athletic. He had 30 catches last year for Maryland. But, like, there were five tight ends into the all-Big Ten team, and he was not one of them. Hmm. Um, he's pretty clearly worse than Cam Latu to me. Like, Reese does, like, his tight ends, but I expect production from Dupree, but I don't think he's anything special. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. He's it, just he, a guy. He does come from yeah. the Bama Farm School, which is nice, though. So he'll he'll know the system yeah, already. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's so true. Um, receiver, we've talked about receivers forever here, but like Burton and Brooks are back. I think Brooks showed some improvement last year. Um, they both dropped the ball too often. Both have some great highlight real plays, which fans excited, but just like rep to rep. They don't get open very well. They're not crisp route runners. They drop the ball too often. I, I don't know. I, I don't really see it with these receivers. Um, there are some folks that seem to like Isaiah Bond, who's who was the number five receiver on last year's roster, should have a bigger role. Um 
the big name here who, if this guy is who they think he is, can change the outlook of this room is a Juco uh, receiver, Malik Benson. Um, here's the thing. He did not have a single offer at high school, but then with the Juco ball and absolutely fucking dominated. He also is a former uh, 10-4-4 100-meter dash guy and a pretty big frame. Yeah. Um, he has the body of like Terrell Owens. Okay. Can he actually play receiver? I don't really know. I don't think he's ever seen like run a real route tree. He was playing option football in a mid-sized Kansas high school in high school and then played community college ball. Yeah. Like, can he actually run routes? I don't know. Yeah. Well, this, why is Alabama taking this guy? This isn't an Alabama player. What are you doing? This is a guy who goes to like Kansas State or Ole Miss or something and, and is really good there. Why is Alabama doing this? That's not what Alabama does on the recruit. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a pretty it's a pretty one-dimensional offense, right? Like, I don't think they have a passing game at all. Yeah. I think the receivers and tight ends are just just average. I think the O-line's very good, but they're going to turn the ball over too much with Milrow. And if he doesn't start, then Bookner's probably worse. Um, they don't have any guys, dude. There's not any guys in the offense. Yeah, it's they just, got no guys. If Justin, it's, it's J.C. Latham, Tyler Booker, and Justice Haynes. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Haynes is a dude, and again, he's a true freshman in camp. Talking about here, like, yeah, he is also. Before. I mean, he is also yeah. a running back. It's not that hard to start as a true freshman running back. There's a lot. Yeah, of do that. it's it's hard, but there are a lot of them who do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's just not enough. There's not enough guys to be to be really convinced with this offense. The defense. Um, I mean, there's a couple more guys, right? There, there are some. some... The defense, I like the defense. Okay, yeah. yeah. the The defense, I think, is is in is in better shape certainly than it was. But uh, go go ahead and talk me through this here. Yeah, so they're gonna play Jaheim Otis. To be fair, I fucking love Jaheim Otis. He was a he was a true freshman nose tackle last year. Yeah. Um, Jaheim Otis is one of the best players in America who is not talked about enough because they nose tackle and people don't watch football. Um. They lose Byron Young at end. They have Tim Smith back at one defensive end spot, who's fine. Um, it sounds like his camp's been kind of up and down, which is a concern for a senior. Yeah. Um, fellow senior Justin Aboigby at the other end spot has outperformed him pretty clearly, but he missed most of last year to injury. Injuries are concerned for him in his career. Behind those three, it's not really clear, right? Like they have Damon Payne, Tim Keenan, and Jamarian Latham back. Those guys have all been kind of projected the two deep. I've really not seen any meaningful reps at all yet in their careers. Um, the good news here is every single one of the 14 scholarship players is a blue chip prospect. Yeah, That helps. That is good news. Uh, <laughs> it seems like James Smith, uh, he's, a, he's a five-star true freshman and state signee. I, I keep an eye on him. He could play early like Otis did last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Between Smith and a boy, be one of those guys will be fine if they're healthy. Uh, I think Otis is elite. You just got to find one more starter guy here and a couple rep plays. I mean, like, you got to find a lot of snaps to play. I don't know. It's a concern. It's a concern. Again, I love Otis, but behind him, some questions. Um, obviously, an edge rusher in the 3-4 scheme, you lose Will Anderson, which is, like, impossible to replace. Yeah. Um, Dallas Turner is very good. Uh, I think he is a very solid player. But, you know, he took a dip last year. Um, he, he seems like he's probably a... a like top 15, top 20 pick, but he was an all American as a freshman. It was pretty clearly worse last season. Um, you know, he's their Sam. Uh, they have Chris Braswell at the Jack. Um, he's probably going to be second in snap count. Uh, there's a quartet of freshmen kind of looking to get in here. Uh, you have Jeremiah Alexander. 
who's the lone second year player is ever 50 overall recruit in 2022. Um, you have three true freshmen who are all dogs. Keon Keeley is a, a freak. Um, Ohio, Alabama beat Ohio State for him, number three overall recruit in America. Uh, Yonze Pierre is number 28, and Kwa Rousa, who I really loved, but I think has some off field questions, number 64 in America. He's in state. I think they will be fine at edge rusher. I think guys there. Yeah. Uh, there's enough players. Um, inside linebacker, I, I don't know, dude. Like, both starters are gone, and they have three new faces in the top four. Um, Deontay Lawson's the one guy back. He was the third guy inside linebacker. Uh, he'll probably start. Um, I don't know. Besides, like, he looked pretty good against Kansas State. I'll give him that. He had two tackles for a loss. But they also, they just whooped Kansas State's ass. That team kind of quit. Um, Tresman Marshall, a Georgia transfer who couldn't get in the field for Georgia, he, like, wasn't a top three or four guy for them, is probably going to, like, play a bit here at Mike. Um, he's a bit heavy. He's a bit chubby. Um, they have Jihad Campbell uh, playing inside now, which is kind of fascinating. He was a five-star, but um, – he can really hit. I'll give him that. But he is the guy who started out as an end projection, then outside linebacker, now inside linebacker. Mm. Um, I don't know what that means. It's kind of interesting, though. Yeah. Um, they have Justin Jefferson, who's a JUCO transfer, who is a pretty freaky athlete. He allegedly ran a sub 4-440. Uh, he's kind of a Sam walkout linebacker, but definitely the best athlete in this group. Um, he could be some sub personnel, but I don't know. Like Those four don't really move me very much. Like, if Jihad Campbell is okay the transition and plays really well and Lawson looks like he did against Kansas State every week, then you're fine here. But it's pretty clearly a step back, right? Yeah. Um yep. Any thoughts know. on the defensive front? I don't know. Any no. any kind of uh I mean, I, I think the talent is here, but just a lot of questions. Yeah. A lot of questions. Yeah, no, I, I think you got it. Yeah. Um all right. Uh, they lose to Marco Hellums in the secondary, but also more importantly, Jordan Battle and Brian Branch, as well as Eli Ricks. Yeah. That is a lot to lose. Eli Ricks up and down, but like Battle and Brian Branch were just rocks for years for them. Yeah. Um, they do have probably the best corner in America with Coley McKinstry. Um, uh. Number one guy in the draft at this point. I, I know you don't love him. I like him a lot. Um, they have five-star Richard sophomore Terry on Arnold starting to play here. Uh, Arnold started seven games last year, but they got benched in favor of Ricks. Uh, and then he missed the last two games due to injury. So I don't know. I think he's pretty bad at the line. Like he just does not have a, a good technique at the line, which is a problem because a lot of guys are just going to try to get free releases against you. Yeah. Um, they brought in Shrey Amos from Louisiana, who is all right. It's fine. Um, they have Richard Freshman Earl Little, top 100 recruit with some versatility here, but like, I don't know. The second corner, besides McKinstry, I don't really see many answers. It's just kind of meh. Um, they brought Malachi Moore back. Uh, he was second team All-SEC as a freshman in 2020, then missed the close of that season uh, to injury and kind of got Molly Pip by Brian Branch. Yeah. Uh, who He still played a lot in 2021, less so in 2022 because of more injuries. The MFA is just treating him like he's still an All-American. And Sure. We don't really know that, right? It's been a while since he looked that way. Um, he's taking over the starting strong safety role, but can play nickel at times. Um, they have senior Christian Story, five-star freshman Caleb Downs, and UAB grad transfer Jalen Key, who, again, they're hyped about. I don't really get why. He's just a just, he's just an average player. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, he's some guy. Yeah, they're competing for the free safety role in nickel. Um, I think Downs really gets it. I don't know. I, I think it's probably – I agree. 
Yeah, this this secondary is a little bit is a little bit shaky. There are a lot of guys here. The whole defense, of, yeah, the yeah. whole defense is is pretty shaky. Um, there are like it's, I mean, that's the whole thing. That's what it comes back to. There's a lot of talent, but I'd like to see it. You know, <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to see that show up beyond just hearing about fall camp reports and and forty times and all this shit. Like I need I need to see these guys play football at some point and do it well. Because a lot of these guys, like you know Christian Story and 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 the the G five transfers and Malachi Moore, and it's just yeah they yeah they've been here. We they've been doing this. They've been roughly okay guys. They've been above average for for the G five guys, and some of them haven't really played that much for the Alabama guys. I just yeah, let's see it. Let's at some point they need to show that these guys can play, and I've not seen it really from a lot of these players yet. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and they also play, and we're going to do it in a second here for the schedule, but they, they play two really good passing offenses in the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. yeah let's, so Let's talk about the schedule. Sure. Going up with Middle Tennessee, which is a win. Um, they get Texas at home. Yeah. Texas almost got them in last year with a worse team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. in Tuscaloosa. I don't think Texas wins, but I'm just kind of – Kind of putting my ears up here. Sure, keeping, um, keeping your eye out, and then they get uh, they go to Southern South Florida, which is very funny, um, and then they host Ole Miss in Week Four, which is the other big passing attack. I think it's probably a four and start. I don't know that it's the prettiest four and start in the world. Here, here is my. Let me just kind of look at this more holistically. I'm starting to like spoil all the run through. Mm-hmm. I think LSU beats Alabama. LSU is a better football team, okay. right? I think they lose to LSU. Of the combination of the other games that are in doubt, which are Texas and Ole Miss at home, uh, and Tennessee as well. Texas, Ole Miss, Tennessee at home, and A&M and Kentucky on the road. I know it's Kentucky, but come on. Um, they're not going to win all five of those games. They will lose one of those games. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's 10-2 and two for Alabama. I think, they, I think it's 10-2. and two. That's like, that's three of the last five years where this team is 10-2 and two or worse. Mm-hmm. Um we're lighting up that, like we're lighting up the pack. I we've been saying it. We're lighting up the pack. We're keeping a we're keeping an eye on it. Do you do you want to say it with me? <laughs> what is it that we say? I don't remember. Bam was low key trash, dude. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hard to hard to disagree. You want to talk about Arkansas? Yeah, I guess. Okay. I'm um, pretty should. Yeah, we probably should. So I did this one. I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll handle most of this one. Um, yeah, well, what's our timestamp right now? Where are we at in this podcast? Uh, two hours and six minutes, you know, as as one does. <laughs> uh, we managed to get through the back end of the East pretty quick, and then and then the Alabama issue happened. Uh, then the then the Alabama circumstances hit, and that that changed things for us. But we're going to speed through these next two because I did them, and I didn't do quite as much prep on them because I did them today. Uh, Arkansas. Yeah. The, the big thing here is that there have been a bunch of coaching changes, which was not really the case for them in the first couple years under Sam Pittman. They lost a huge chunk of their staff. They had been uh, the, the sort of the beneficiaries of a, a group with a ton of continuity since he had arrived. That is no longer the case here. They lose Kendall Bryles. They lose, uh, we mentioned Dowell Loggins, uh, who was the tight ends coach. They lose Barry Odom. They lose, uh, there's just a lot, of, there's a lot to go. They lose Michael Scherer, who was the safeties coach. Um, Dominique Brown, the cornerback coach, is is also gone at now at Temple. That's a lot. That's a lot to lose. They And the coaches they brought in, specifically the coordinators, I'm not, a huge fan of the these guys. They the offensive coordinators Dan Enos, who I think we have 
made our opinions on very clear at this point. I think he sucks. I don't really know why you would bring this guy in for anything. Certainly not for this this job and this offense. Um, and then the co-defensive coordinators, I'm a little bit higher on, but not a ton. It's it's Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson. Uh, just fine. Just guys. I, I The staff got a lot worse, I think, this offseason. Yeah, I tend to agree. There's just... Um... They downgraded, right? I think there's just not a lot of. I mean, like, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. The personnel, you know, the personnel is better than than the staff. I think the the personnel you can. The personnel is better than the staff, but there are still a lot of losses in the personnel too. There are, yeah. So the 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 guys, the big two that they bring back in the offense are both in the backfield. It's 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 obviously it's KJ Jefferson and Raheem Sanders at uh, quarterback and running back respectively. Sanders was almost a 1500 yard rusher last season. He was, he was awesome. He's really good. Jefferson, I think is still somehow underrated despite being like a a really good starter for several years in a row here. Um, He's good. He's, he's going to take you pretty far as your starting quarterback. I like both these guys. It's just that the, a lot of the surrounding core is gone. They lose three starters on the offensive line, both tackles and a center, which is not the good, not a good three to lose. If you're going to lose three, Luke Jones, at left tackle, Dalton Wagner at right tackle, and Ricky Stromberg at center, all gone. They do bring back both their guards, Bo Limmer, who was really, really good for them last year, and Brady Latham. Um, But you look at this starting offensive line, and I I think they're probably going to put Limmer at center and then Latham at left guard. And then you have a redshirt sophomore at left tackle and Devon Manuel, who hasn't really played much. Uh, Right guard and Josh Braun, who lost his job at Florida and was really shitty when he was starting in 2021. And then a sophomore, true sophomore in Patrick Cutass. Kutas? I'm going to say Cutass at at right tackle. So I think the offensive offensive line probably gets worse. And then the skill core is kind of troubling outside of the running backs room. I think that... um, even though they're they're pretty high on some of the guys they brought in, they do still lose Jadon Hasselwood and Matt Landers at wide receiver and Trey Knox at tight end, who we talked about earlier. They bring in Andrew Armstrong from Texas A&M Commerce and Isaac Tesla, or Tesla? Probably not Tesla, but it could be, um, who were both uh, lower-level lower level school guys. Tesla came from uh, Hillsdale College, and, and Armstrong came from Texas A&M Commerce, like I said. They're pretty much the same exact guy. They put up basically the same stats last year. They're both 6'4", a little over 200 pounds. Uh, they were really productive players at a lower level. I don't know why you'd need two of them, though. Um, and then the third starter, it looks like, is going to be redshirt freshman Isaiah Sategna, Sat- Sat- probably, who hasn't really done anything. Um, and then it looks like they're going to be playing a true freshman in Luke Haas at, at tight end, who I know people like a lot, but that's still a true freshman. So we, we love the backfield. I, I think that there are some players on this line who are good, but they're replacing a lot within the rest of this offense. And I'm I'm... I'm worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's too much to overcome, right? Like, even if you have two of the best players in the country, at their position to court position, like the whole thing about this group has been the O-line, right? Like that's just their core identity as a program, even more than like the, some of the fun, you know, skilled players they've had. This is a Sam Pittman team that built around its O-line. Could you maybe have confidence? He does that again. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I guess like, it's possible. Um, it's possible he figures it out with all these guys, but it would take a heroic feat to do so. Uh, and then the play calling got worse. So it, it's like, it's hard for me to think that even with Jefferson and with Sanders, that they're still able to produce the same quality of offense. And like, it wasn't like they were 
I don't know, a special offense last year. I like it was a pretty good group, but like they weren't like, you know, they weren't doing anything fantastic. I'm looking at their stats right now. Um, they were fine. The fuck did they even finish? They finished 35th in scoring offense. Yeah. Um, and, and they get pretty clearly worse than a number of key positions here. Um, it, it's just like, I, I don't know. What, what do you do with this? What's the point of this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the good news is I do think that this defense is going to be pretty good and, and might actually be improved from last year. I'm not a huge Barry Odom guy in general, and they were kind of disappointing a season ago. Um, they bring back a pair of starters at defensive end and Landon Jackson and Zach Williams, which it would be okay on its own, but they were not super satisfied with that. They went out and grabbed a pair of P5 transfers, Trajan Jeffcoat, who we mentioned, who was good at Missouri, and then uh, Pitt Pass. Pit pass rusher who I like a lot in John Morgan the third. Yeah, um, he was really really good as a specialist for them last season. I think he's going to be really good here as well. So I like these ends a decent amount. The 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 tackles are kind of new. They lose both starters Terry Hampton and Isaiah Nichols, but they bring back the number three guy Cameron Ball, uh, plus a, a sort of a hybrid guy in, in Eric Gregory. And they also get 2021 rotational guy Tarian Carter back. He missed last season with an injury. And then they add in two go- two guys who I think are, are pretty decent as well. Tank Booker from Maryland and uh, Kiwi Rose from Louisiana Tech, who I like quite a bit. I think any of the five can and, and will play. I don't really know who the starters are going to be here. I don't think they know yet either. It's it's There should be enough on this defensive line that it is still pretty solid, even with the tackles gone. Um the rest of the the rest of the front is in a little bit worse shape because they lose two starters at linebacker, two pretty good starters at linebacker with Bumper Pool and Drew Sanders yeah. both gone. Um, I'd say two very very. Good. I think Drew Sanders was one of the best linebackers in America last year. Yeah, so that that's that's not ideal. You don't love that. They do have a guy back uh, here in Chris Paul Jr. who was really good for them before he got hurt. Uh, he's Chris Paul's son. Yeah, yeah Chris Paul's son. Um, he has been on and off hurt. I think he's been hurt this fall, which is also really concerning. But as long as he's healthy, he's the leader of the room. Um, they brought in a guy who I like quite a bit from Cincinnati as well, transfer Jaheim Thomas, who's a, another pass rushing specialist. I think they're going to get after the quarterback pretty well this season. I'm a little bit more worried about how they handle the run. I, I, I think that the pass rushing is going to be solid. I'm I'm not sure that they're going to be super stout up the middle. Um, <clears throat> and then you get into the secondary. Secondary, I think, looks pretty good. I think the secondary is one of the better units on the, on the defense. They bring back D- Dwight McLaughlin, who was awesome for them last year, or McLaughlin, uh, at, at cornerback. He's true number one. I think he's going to be really good for them. And then they went right back to the well. They went and got another five-star flame out uh, this time from Georgia. They got Jaheim Singletary on the other side, who I... I I like well, coming I like out of him. high school. Yeah. I think he's going to be good. I mean, it worked out with Dwight. I don't know why it wouldn't work with this too. It's it's not it's not the worst approach in the world. I think he was only at Georgia for a year, so it's not like he you know spent a bunch of time and wasn't productive. Um, and then they got uh, Snacks Johnson from Baylor to play at uh, at nickel because they they brought in. Um, who was it that they brought in? I don't know. They got they got a couple Baylor guys. Um, and then uh, lastly, at, at, at safety, they lose Simeon Blair, who played like a 1,000 snaps and was terrible. I don't think he's going to be that big of a loss. They bring back his better counterpart, Hudson Clark, and then they grab another Baylor transfer. Um, Hudson oh, Clark is a guy who should be acting in a movie in 1947. Yes, and he is. Uh, and then they also bring in Baylor transfer, <laughs> Al-Fahim uh, Walcott, who was really, really good for them last year. I think those two will start, and then they will get some rotational play from two guys who were around but bad last year, Jaden Johnson and Malik Chavis. Um, I, I, I kind of like Johnson in high school. I think he could have some upside still. I yeah, don't know. He, he was really shitty for them last year, but maybe he gets better with another year in the program. Um, 
Uh, I like the defense. I think the defense is going to be pretty good. I think the offense has a good quarterback and running back. Uh, this is a bowl team for sure. I don't think that their ceiling is a whole lot higher than that, but I, I think that they are comfortably fine. I think that they are a competent football team. Yeah, I think here's the thing. We can go through the schedule game by game. First of all, I don't really have much to add to what you said. I think I agree with all your points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interjected where I had to, but um, I think this team is going four and four to start the year. And then we'll see what happens the last four, right? Because, I mean, like, they open up with Western Carolina, Kent State, and BYU, which should be three wins. Um, then they go at LSU, neutral set against AM and that, you know, Jerry Jones classic, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, home against Mississippi State. That's a four and four start, right? Yeah. That's a brutal stretch of games right there. That is five, four really tough games. Like, that's three road games against the three best teams in your division in a neutral site or, or – you play the four best teams in your division back to back to back. And none three of them neutral yeah, three of them on the road, one of them a neutral site. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly that's, that's tough. Um yeah, so four and four heading into the last four games of the season, which is at Florida, Auburn at home, FIU at home, and Missouri at home. So a nice landing at least. I I, I think it's probably seven and five for them. I think they get three of those last is four. Is it crazy to think I think they could win all four? If they win all four, it's a pretty good year. Yeah. eight and four feels like a lot to ask that they would beat both Florida on the road and Mississippi State at home. Um, yeah, but, I guess BYU's probably too bad, but could be in doubt. Yeah, um, and then I mean, also Missouri is going to be probably competent. Auburn is what we're going to talk about, but uh, I, I think seven and five is probably the safe answer for for Arkansas this year. I'll give it to you because I, I just kind of dominate this podcast, but uh-huh. uh, I, I lean more eight and four. Okay, yeah, I I, I, I can uh, I can see either one. I, I think it it probably just depends on what you think of these wide receivers and and the the new guys who they brought in on the offense. So let's talk Auburn yeah. real quick here as well. Oh um, god, these guys fucking blow. <laughs> um, yeah, they let's do, uh, we can do this one quick. I mean, the coaching changes. Um, Brian Harson has gone as head coach. The it's it's I don't know. I'm kind of interested in Ron Roberts as DC. He had a pretty bad year at Baylor, but is a pretty well known defensive mind. Any other thoughts on him besides that? Or no, else in the coaching staff? I don't know why he okay. didn't get to bring those Baylor guys with him in the secondary. I, I don't know why those guys went to Arkansas instead of Auburn, but um, yeah, they probably don't like him very much. Yeah, I guess so. Roberts is here, and then they also got uh, Phil Montgomery, who was the head coach at Tulsa. Um, also, he was yeah. he was fine. He brought both of his offensive tackles with him, which is not. Really, what you want to see, I would say, uh, when you're when you're at Auburn and you're bringing in two tackles from Tulsa because you don't have any. Um, yeah, there's really not a whole lot here to like. Uh, I'll, I'll run through it real quick. We talked about Peyton Thorne on the last episode. He he stinks. He throws too many interceptions. He's not really a running threat. He there's nothing to like with Peyton Thorne. I'm going to be honest. There's nothing to like with Peyton Thorne. Um, I do like their running backs. They lose Tank Bigsby, but I like I Jar- love their running backs. Yeah, I, I like Jarquez Hunter quite a bit. He's a very good runner, but also a very good receiver. And then they got is Brian Batty. Suspended? Is he suspended? Uh, um, I think there was something. Up. Am I making that up? There, uh, there was the. He was involved in some sort of video, but I don't think it was his fault. I don't know if he got suspended for that. Well, he did not participate in the first practice of the season okay of the, of the fall camp yeah um they had him away from it let's see um let's see here story from a day ago or reviewing his top games um let's do some research <laughs> let's do some research on this yeah um also the thing i love about a player 
is if you Google JarQuest Hunter and go to images, the second and fourth results are JarQuest Hunter powerlifting, JarQuest Hunter lifting weights. Yeah. Um, Classic. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We we, yeah. we do like that. Um, they also, while you look into that, they also... Oh, he's Dr. Brockman. So he's okay. He's cool. Yeah. Not a huge surprise, but uh, Hunter and then Brian Batty, who's here from uh, USF, he was a uh, almost 1,200 sick, yard... Yeah. yeah. Almost 1,200 yard rusher, almost ever seven yards a carry on a bad offense last year. He is awesome. I think those two are really, really good. I think that's going to be a really good... They're also... Really good group. They're both them. very mean running backs. Yes. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're both kind of undersized guys, run really hard, run behind their pads. I, I love watching those two play. I think that that is going to be probably probably the best part of this team is their, their, their running yeah. backs. Um, Fully agreed. So, and then the, uh, the wide receiving core, I, I, you can look at it however many ways you want. I do not understand the guys who they brought into this group. It doesn't make any sense. So they lose Shedrick Jackson, who cares, but they bring back two big play guys in Javarius Johnson and Coy Moore, who were like, that was all they did was, was, big plays. That was pretty much all that passing attack could produce last season. Um, and then they bring in a bunch of transfers, all of whom, except for one, are also big play guys. Nick Mardner is a big play guy from, from Cincinnati. He was also shitty last year. Um, he was good at Hawaii in 2021, but I don't know how well that translates. It didn't to Cincinnati. He's just big. He's just a big guy. Um, they bring in Jair Shorter, who uh, 23 receptions, 628 yards, and 11 touchdowns last year at North Texas. He can't stay on the field, though. He's not, he, he's not healthy enough to play, and you already have this guy. Um, Caleb Burton, who we talked about on the last show, just just a former four-star, just some guy from Ohio State. And then I, I'd say he's actively really bad. Yeah, and then the one transfer at wide receiver who I actually like is an FCS guy. They brought in Shane Hooks from Jackson State. He had 66 receptions, almost 800 yards, 10 touchdowns last season. He's the only actual receiver here. The rest of them are just track guys. And your quarterback is Peyton Thorne. Why? What? It doesn't make any sense. No, it's... um. This is this is the team really for bad, Joe. Dude. This is the Joe Milton team. This is the team that needs the quarterback who can throw the ball eighty yards down the field. They only have deep threats. Yeah. There's also a lot of there's been a lot of quotes about the other receivers in the team saying that Caleb Burton is by far the best route route runner among them. They're all <laughs> following him for tips. Um, yeah, that is that's pretty. That cool. is not what you want to see. Yeah. yeah. That is, um, who was the, there was the, 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 there's like a son of Napoleon or something who, who have, who's run out of the country and then took over an island. Who, do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, I've heard the story, but I don't know his name. I'm not a big, uh, the, the Napoleonic era is not my best era. Well, that's what, history. that's what Caleb Burton is doing with, uh, <laughs> with Auburn. He was, he was kicked out of the kingdom at Ohio state. And now the, the most inbred son of the family is taking it to a different place. <laughs> That'll be cool. Um, yeah, and then I do like. I'll, I'll be on. I'll I'll say I do like the tight end. I like FIU transfer Rivaldo, Rivaldo Fairweather. He's a freak. Yeah. He's really good. I I think he and Hooks can get busy in this offense. I just don't like any of these other receivers. I I, I, I they just have a whole bunch of the same guy. Maybe Johnson can be pretty good for them if he is just playing that role. But I don't know why you need fucking six of him. It doesn't it doesn't really make sense to have all of these guys on the same team. No, and here's what I'll say. They need to run a bunch of 12 personnel or 21 personnel and run the fuck out of the football. 
Yeah, yeah, because Luke Deal's a good. Here's the problem: the O lines, the O lines, kind of ass. Yeah, the O line is kind of ass. They lose, uh, their le- <laughs> they lose their left tackle, their right tackle, both right tackles, uh, both right guards, and their center. Um, they bring back a pair of left guards and two backup centers. Really good. That's that's what you want. That's awesome. Um, I I I kind of like Jeremiah Wright, who was the Did backup. Jalil Irvin transfer? Is he still there? Um, say J- Jalil Irvin, you say. Uh, he's still there. I thought he transferred. I don't know yeah, why. I think he's there. Um, but uh, I, I like I like Jeremiah Wright a decent amount. He was the backup left guard for them last year. He's giant. I think he's probably going to start this year. Um, this starting core is is kind of bleak though. They they brought in like I said a pair of Tulsa t- tackle transfers. Dylan Wade, who was above average, and Jaden Muskrat, who was just average. Um, ECU center Avery Jones, also just average. And then one good player, one good tackle, Gunnar Britton, who was awesome at Western Kentucky. Um, it looks like they're probably going to go with Wade and Britton as the tackles. Um, right and Cam Stutz, who was the starting left guard as the guards, and then what Cam Slutz. Yeah, what, what about that? And then Avery Jones at center. <laughs> this line sucks. This is a G five line. Um, and you yeah. know, like I don't, I like in the traditional sense, I would not say that as a prerogative, but they're not in the fucking G5 anymore. You freeze. You're at the SEC now. You can't build like this. You can't be talking like that, white baby. It doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Um, Also, just in general, like building a line for transfers, the lack of chemistry in a group like that is a really big problem. From average Um, to bad transfers for the most part. (laughs) From the G5 level. Yeah, from three like, or four guys, guys who, who were, were not very good. Yeah, guys who were just okay at the G5 level. You're asking to come into a brand new O-line, a brand new offense, gel together, and also take a step, step up a competition yeah. while playing better. It's just not going to work. Their no. O-line is going to be dog shit. Yeah. If it's good, I'll be shocked. Um, the defensive line also ton of, ton of losses, right? Yes, it uh, yeah, it sure does. They they lose Derek Hall and Kobe Wooden as well as uh, Marcus Bragg and Eku uh, Leota at defensive end. That's all four. That's all four of their defensive ends from last season. Uh, they do bring back their top two tackles, who I think are, are decent, Marcus Harris and Jason Jones. Um, but it's it's a lot of transfers here as well. At, at defensive end, they're going to be looking exclusively to transfers. They brought in Steven Sings the fifth from Liberty. I don't really know why they did that. He didn't really do much for Liberty. Um, they mm. brought in uh, Mosiah Nasil Kite from Maryland. He was he's good work. Good work. He, he was fine. Um, same with Elijah McAllister from Vandy. Also just fine. Just some guy at the Power Five level. And then the one addition who I do like here on this on this end group is Jalen McLeod from App State. He was good. He was good for them. He had seven and a half tackles for loss, six sacks last year. He's a good player. I would guess that it's probably. Um, MNK and, and McLeod at, at the, at the starting spots here. It's, it's whatever. This is not as good a group as they had last year. And the line was not that good last year. The tackles are, are fine. I think that, um, Marcus Harris and Jason Jones, both back. I think they're both decent. I like Justin Rogers, who we mentioned earlier, the Kentucky transfer. I don't really like Lawrence Johnson, who they brought in from Purdue. He doesn't really stand out to me. All four are going to play. I would guess that probably the starters are the same Harrison Jones like they were last year. That's uh, it's better there than it is at linebacker. I'll say because they lose Owen Popo and he was the only linebacker worth of shit on this team last year. Um, that's that's a big loss. He was really really good for them. They do bring in a couple guys who I like from the transfer portal. They brought in Austin Keys from Ole Miss and Larry Nixon from North Texas. 
It sounds like Keyes is probably going to start as well as uh, former North Carolina transfer Eugene Asante, who was here last year but didn't really play. And then they bring back Cam Riley, Wesley, and Wesley Steiner, who were uh, fine. They were okay last season behind behind Popo. Uh, Riley started alongside him, and then Steiner was sort of the number three guy. I don't really like this linebacker room a whole lot. I, I think he's yeah is just an SEC level linebacker, which is fine. You got to have some of those guys, but it feels like that's the maximum of what they have is just replacement level guys. I, I, I tend to agree. I'll say this: I think pretty clearly based on the personnel, the number of like playable D tackles here, and just also bringing in Ron Roberts, they're pretty obviously going to try to run that Baylor tight front, yeah, where you have like one D tackle lined up as like a four I end. Uh, and you have a nose tackle, you have a true end after that with like the Jack kind of coming in as a walk-in. Um, it seems like that's their plan, right? Like it's going to yeah. be kind of more of a, a tight front than a mid front, which I think they have a D tackles to make that work. Do they have the linebackers or ends? Probably not. <laughs> I think they probably don't have those guys. Yeah. Um, but the, the D tackles play will be good, which is at least a benefit. Um, you mentioned here, both corners are back. Uh, they have their nickel back with Keontae Scott. Um, and also both their safeties are back. And one of them sucks. One of them's good. Yeah. Um, and, I think the secondary like, is probably going to be pretty good. I like DJ James and, Nem- and uh, Nehemia Pritchett, who were the starters last year. I like Kay and Lee a lot as well, who's on the depth chart, younger guy who I think is probably going to play a lot this year. Uh, Zion, I know that name. He was a yeah. He was a big recruit. Yeah, Zion Puckett is one of the two safeties who's back. He is awful, but apparently he's like a leader, and so I don't know if they're going to kick him out of that spot. Mm. Um, but Donovan, Bryson Shaw style individual. Yeah, but yeah. Donovan Kaufman is a guy to watch. He was good as a utility guy at safety last year. I think he might take that spot. And then Jalen Simpson is the good safety. Um, there's uh, there's not a whole lot here. There's not a whole lot else here. I think that this is maybe a team competing for a bowl game. I don't think that they're going to do a whole lot more than that. Patrick, we still have four teams to go. Let's cook here. Uh, LSU, we're going to speak the Mississippi schools after LSU, right? That's our game plan here. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State's going to be a quick one. Um, most of the staff is back. Uh, they've replaced two of the assistants. Uh, they bring in Jamar, or they lost Jamar Kane to the, the Broncos and brought in Jimmy Lindsay from South Carolina. Um, I think it's a pretty good group. Uh, Brian Pullian got fired, um, which is good. Uh, they they brought in their analyst, John Jancic, who seems to be a lot better. Um, they're aligning the staff more appropriately and not having a bullshit special teams coordinator at the college level. There's no need for it. Um, here's the thing kind of intriguing here. We talked about LSU's um, kind of NFL talent this season a little bit in previous podcasts. They sent just six players to the draft last year, which is the lowest total since the 2019 draft. They won a title. Um, they bring a lot of guys back here. Yeah. Uh, the only real losses. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying, yeah, they do. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they lose some depth pieces on the offense at quarterback and offensive line, which is not great. Um, but the running back, I mean, the starting quarterback, most starting a lot, the entire center line's back. Um, you have your running backs all back. Your tight ends are all back. The only losses are at wide receiver. They lose three of their top six wide receivers. Um, Keishon Butte is, is, you know, was an asshole basically. And it was probably like not a great player in the locker room, but was an NFL talent. Uh, Jerry Jenkins graduated and Jack Beck transferred to Purdue. Uh, the defense was a little bit more. Uh, they do lose Jacqueline Boy at nose tackle, defensive end Ali Gay, and most importantly, edge rusher BJ Ojolari. Um, Ojolari was a dude, um, but they still have a lot of guys in this front. I think they're fine here. The corner the corner spot's a big problem. They lose uh, four of the top players, Mackay Garner, Seven Banks, Jay Ward, and Jarek Bernard Converse hitting the road. 
Um, they do lose Jay Fuqua as safety, but he was kind of just a part-time starter and a really critical piece. But roughly five of their top seven defensive backs are gone and five, or sorry, about three contributors in defensive front, which is not awesome. You don't want to see that. Uh, the defensive front, I think, should still be a big strength in this team, but the second, obviously, a lot of elite talent there. But the secondary needs to find some guys to replace them with. Um, here's the thing. Let's do the defense, just stick there. Um, Mason Smith is a fucking freak, right? Uh, he was out all of, most of last year. I think he got hurt in the first or the first game. Yeah. But he was an animal in 2021. Um, some news just dropped as we were reporting. I don't know if you saw this. I did. Uh, yeah. He is suspended for week one. Um, mm. That's not great. You don't want to lose him against Florida State. <laughs> no. But they do still have Makai Wingo back at D-Tackle, who is also fantastic All-American top player. Uh, and linebackers Harold Perkins, who – He's taking out a kind of a new role this year. He was going to just a pure edge and simplify things. As a He's playing more across formation this year, and they run it Omar State and Oregon State. Those are two All-American style players. Comparisons to Micah Parsons and, and Will Anderson. He deserves all of it. He's that good. Yeah. Um, the offense needs some improvement. We'll talk about this in a second here. Uh, the defense, though, basically that defensive front. Um, I mentioned uh, uh, Smith and Wingo a defensive tackle. They also have former five-star defensive end Savion Jones, who's been pretty effective here. Um, he reported four and a half sacks last year's rotation piece. He's back. Um, you know, they they have um they brought in Texas transfer, uh Ovi Ogufu, who is fine. He only has eight and a half sacks the last four seasons. It's kind of underwhelming, but uh Paris Shan is a really good athlete at 6'5, 280 pounds. He's also a basketball player, uh, not at LSU, but was in the past. And five-star freshman Deshaun Womack. Womack like might be the next one for that. He is a really freaky player. Looks amazing in camp, allegedly. Um, that track is a high school film. I loved him. Uh, he is an awesome player. Uh, and Quincy Wiggins, also a redshirt freshman, who seems to have some freaky traits, was pretty inconsistent so far. Um, Perkins definitely more of a true linebacker type. It seems like the body types they have in this offense, a lot of guys like in the 6'5", 6'6", 280 range, means they play more of a like 3-3-5 mid instead of 3-4 they ran more often last year. Um, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, other than, than uh, you know, I think Mason Smith basically is like a true elite defensive end, or sorry, defensive tackle in the NFL. He's like a 315-pounder. Uh, Makai Wingo is like more of a Kalijah Cansey-style player, 295 pounds, a really penetrating uh, DT. Yeah. Um, they have uh, they have three players with power five experience who are pretty good at nose tackle. Um, Jacoby and Guillory, which is one of the most Louisiana names of all time, uh, is the returning guy here. They brought in West Virginia's Jordan Jefferson and Florida's Jalen Lee. Uh, Jefferson and uh, Guillory like a lot. Lee is just a guy. Um, but all the names in that front, that is a scary defensive line, I would say. That is like a, guy, a group that goes like six or seven deep with a lot of five stars in it, a lot of NFL players. I like that defensive line a lot. Yeah. Um, Harold Perkins, any thoughts there before me about the linebacker? No, or... I think I think people know what what's going on with the defensive line. One of the best in the country. Yep, one of the best in the country. Harold Perkins, true freshman, seven and a half sacks in his first year. He's been playing until midseason. Um, the good. star turns he took against Arkansas, Alabama, Ole Miss were just ridiculous. Um, they also bring back Greg Penn, who started all 14 games last year. Um, he was second in the defensive tackles, stable, wide one-side linebacker. He's going to start next to Omar Spates from Oregon State. He was first team All-Pac-12. Um, again, I don't really know what the combination between Spates, Perkins, and Penn will be, but those are three really strong players to have here. Uh, I, again, I think formation deployment could shift to fit that uh, and kind of acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, it's safety. 
Um, now, real quick, they, am I am I crazy yeah. to say this is the best front seven in the country? No, I agree with it. I think yeah. the competition is Georgia, where they do have those really two great linebackers, but um, Georgia probably has a couple more questions, at yeah. least one of their end spots. There, but there, I don't it's think... LSU and Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to make and sure. I would say. Was, yeah. I, I would take LSU there. Yeah. And I'd say the next tier in some combination is Clemson, Texas A&M, and Ohio State. Okay. Um, uh, Penn State has a chance to lose some pieces. We'll see. Yeah. Michigan, okay. I don't think has the top end talent. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. But it's LSU and Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Greg Brooks back at safety. He started 13 games last year, 44 career starts, just a solid player. Uh, major Burns has started parts the last two years. Gonna, he's, he's a good player. He's going to get pushed. Uh, they brought in Marshall transfer, Andre Sam, um, who they seem to like a lot. I, I don't really know much about him to be honest with you. Um, he's I kind of, Marshall kind of bored me last year. Yeah. yeah pretty good player. Um, it was a good defense. He was a pretty good player. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have uh they have former five star Sage Ryan, who's been a good but not great player in the first couple of years. Uh he's gonna be the lead nickel now instead of being a true safety or a true he kind of played at both safety and corner, and they just said to split the two and make him nickel. Uh he is good. It's a bit of a sub package for them based on how often they play uh, uh kind of like a three-four, but that may change the show, like I was saying. Um and also the Terrence Welch, who is a sophomore for a top 100 recruit, is gonna apparently compete for cop- uh, for, for reps here. So you have Brooks, the sure starter, Ryan is a sure starter, and then Burns and Sam competing with Welsh kind of rotating in, which is a pretty solid safety group. Um, corner, I thought, looked awesome coming into the offseason, but some injuries have caused a problem here, right? So um, Juice Chestnut transferred in. He will start. Uh, he had two all-ACC nods, uh, 24 career starts. This is a guy who can play for sure. I like him uh, out of Syracuse. The other one was kind of a battle between Denver Harris at, uh, at Texas A&M, a freshman All-American, and Zy Alexander at Asila, who was an FCS All-American. Um, Harris has so many off-field problems, you just don't know how much you can trust him, but he's just a freaky talent. He already spent some time away from the team during fall camp this year, which is kind of a concern. Um, Alexander is is a like a six-foot-two, pretty physical freak. I really don't know how he got to Sela, but that guy can play from yeah. what I've seen. Um, just a big step up in competition, obviously, right? Is the is the is the concern? Yeah. Um, the other name was going to be J.K. Johnson, who is a former top 100 player, and in my opinion, probably Ohio State's third best corner last year. Uh, but he suffered a left leg fracture and is out of uh, out of the season. Probably he may come back late in the year, but probably not. Um, yeah. Then they also have the Welch kid that I mentioned at safety, finding reps here again, top 100 sophomore and freshman Javen Tobiano. They seem to love a lot. Is going to kind of factor in for reps too. Um. If they lose more depth, sounds like Sage Ryan could kick over a corner again and they could put one of the other safeties back in play there. Um, I'm concerned about this group because there's not much continuity and you don't really have a clearly defined back in order. But I think the top two of Chestnut and Alexander with Harris the third, if he's healthy, can really play. Um, yeah. It's just like everywhere else, this defense is rock solid. I have no worries at defensive line, linebacker, safety. Porter just needs to get some guys uh, and get the guys healthy too. Yep, yep. I would, I would think that this is a a defense contending for top ten, maybe top five status. This is they're they're really, really, really solid. Yeah, yeah. They're also going to be a, a pretty mean offense. Going to run the football a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just fine last year. They were twenty fifth in uh, scoring offense, twenty sixth in yards of play. Pretty much like in that range everywhere, like in every stat. The only problem is the red zone offense. They just did not finish drives very well. Uh, and they also really don't attack downfield in the passing attack, uh, partially just because of Jaden Daniels' lack of arm strength and timing. 
Um, he is a guy who is accurate. He completed 70% of his passes um, and had 800 yards rushing. Like, if you look at the stats of a guy who gives your offense 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, you feel pretty good about that. But, like, he just takes himself off the field, right? Like, he is basically, to me, a quicker JT Barrett. Just does not quite have the art to push it downfield. Um, but processes pretty well. Uh, I think he takes care of the football pretty well. He runs. Um, I don't know. He cannot carry a team on his back to a win. Yeah. But he can make some escape plays. He can get you some extra third downs. You guys get like he's a guy who can contribute to a win impressively. So. Yep. Yep. And they they were they they relied on him a lot last season. He pretty much always delivered for them. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Nussmeier also here as a backup who played really well in the or he played I'd say really well in the bowl game. Uh, not so great in the SC title game. But that's Georgia's defense as a guy you're not expecting to play. That's kind of tough. Um, running back, sick. Sick running back room. Uh, yep. They have Josh Williams, who I fucking love. Former walk-on, a nasty little fucker. Uh, former five-stars, Noah Kane and John Emery are here. Armani Goodwin is back. He was kind of the fourth guy pretty clearly, and it's probably going to have a smaller role this year. Um, but they all had between 40 and 100 carries, between 250 and 550 rushing yards. Um Williams is a really good running back for short yardage, just pretty quick on his feet and really hits hard as that being smaller. Emery and Kane are solid, you know, kind of rep to rep backs. Um, none of them really have a huge home run hitting potential. And the transfer they brought him just Notre Dame's Logan Diggs, kind of more than the same. But he had 800 yards to the Irish last year, a good between the tackles runner, kind of like a 1990s style running back. Um, you know, I think Diggs, Williams, Kane, and Emery have split this all pretty even. Um, they were 41st in rushing yards per game and have to get there. I'll say that. Um, any notes here, or should I keep going? Nope, keep going. Okay, cool. The O-line brings back all five primary starters. Uh, they had freshman All-American tackles, Will Campbell and Emory Jones. At the end, center Charles Turner, who was a former Canton guy. I remember him at all. Um, and then guards Garrett Dellinger and Miles Frazier. Uh, they have 73 combined starts between them, and they were all pretty confident last year. Um Senior Marlon Martinez and Maryland transfer Mason Lunsford are pretty good backups there uh, if anything goes wrong. And it seems like Lance Hur, who's a five-star true freshman, uh, is going to be kind of a top swing tackle if needed. A um, little concerned about it, kind of the depth there, having a true freshman as your number three tackle is not awesome. But all five of these starters coming back is pretty, pretty good. Uh, the skill talent, I think I mentioned the running backs here. The wide receivers, I mean, Malik Neighbors is, to me, the third best receiver in the country and just a freak. Um, they have some other returners there. Brian Thomas, big-bodied guy. Uh, Kyron Lacey was a, had a lot of drops, um, but is a guy they seem to like a fair bit and it just is going to get open and he can fix that drop issue. Uh, Thomas had 361 yards and five touchdowns. Um, junior Chris Hilton is a guy they have been trying to get in the field but only played nine games the last two years. Just a freaky speed guy but can't stay healthy. Uh, and they brought in another freaky speed guy behind him, which is Aaron Anderson. Um, he's a former five-star from New Orleans who actually went to Bama for last year and then transferred mm. uh, after being injured all of last season. They love him. They, yeah. they, they, they want to feature him. They think he is really freaky. Um, they have another top 100 true freshman here in Shelton Sampson, who's a six-foot-four guy with crazy speed. Like, they might play three guys in this top six who never really played before. But they seem to love the skill sets of all of them. It's obviously a concern to have that many new faces, but I, I am I think this receiver room is better than it was last year, despite losing Boutte and the other guys. Yeah. Um yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, a tight end, open and shut case. Uh it's Mason Taylor. 
Again, he was a, one of the best tight ends in America last year, the true freshman. Uh, he is Jason Taylor's son, which kind of tough look for Jason Taylor to not get your son to come play for you at Miami. Uh, <laughs> and then he's also the nephew of Zach Thomas, who apparently married Jason Taylor's sister or vice oh. versa. Uh, Taylor married Thomas's sister. Oh, um, anyway, a lot of a uh, lot of NFL blood there for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good kid. Good player. Uh, he had that big two point conversion against Bama. Um, to me, that's like a top 15 offense, right? Like nothing, like not, you're not going to hit a lot of home runs except for neighbors, but just that's a team that moves the football. If play calling gets a little bit tighter this year and improves a little bit with the old line playing better, I think that is a, a pretty solid room for incremental improvement from like top 30 ish, top 15 ish. Yep. And, uh, as, as we look at the schedule here, I think it really comes down to what three games, three or four games, maybe, um, that will determine, where this team lands. We've talked obviously ad nauseum about the Florida state game. Um, the, uh, I, I think at Ole Miss could probably be included in here at Alabama and then Texas A&M at home to end the season. Those would be the, the four games yeah. I think that stand out to me. I think they get three of them. I don't know which of those. I agree. I don't know which yeah. of those they lose, uh, but I think they get three of them. I think they're 11 and one. I think they win the West and probably go to the playoff. I will say I would, in my opinion, take AM out of that list. I think AM is just like it's not the same difference of talent as like Georgia, Kentucky, but it's just the same concept where like LSU is a better, more experienced, more talented version of what AM is trying to do. Yeah. I think LSU just does everything better and probably grinds them out and wins by like 14 points, which is a pretty big win. Okay. But yeah. um yeah, I think it's Florida State, Ole Miss, and Alabama were the concerns. Um I think they lose week one and then run the table from there. Yep, I agree. I think they're headed to the playoff. Uh, as we talked about on the podcast with Bill, they are my national championship pick. I just, I think it's that kind of year, and I, I, yeah, I like this team. I have, I have no, no qualms with what you said there. Let's breeze through the Mississippi teams. These are not, yeah, these, these are, are not Mississippi serious people. These are just well, not. no, I actually kind of like Ole Miss. I kind of like Ole Miss. Oh come bit. on, but Mississippi State is unserious. I'm sorry. Um, okay. They lose like everyone at DB. They lost four defensive backs in the draft. Uh, they also had a da- uh, Davian Collins going to be the portal. They lost Tyrus Weed at linebacker. Cameron Young and Randy Charlton are on the defensive line. Austin Williams, Ra Ra Thomas transferred to Georgia, and Mark Rest George transferred to Cal. All got a receiver. Dylan Johnson, top running back, is gone. They have Will Rogers back at quarterback. Um, they have a few receivers who are decent here. They have four O line starters back, and those guys aren't very good except for Cameron Jones. I like Nathan Pickering a lot at nose tackle. Um, Nathaniel Watson and Jet Johnson are back at linebacker. We're decent enough. The Kerry Richardson is another only corner who is back, and only defensive back overall who is back. Um, a couple good DBs here, but like broadly, this is a team that I think is trying to transition out of the air raid um, and doesn't have the guys to do it very much. Yeah. And also faces a, a ton of pass capable teams in the first few weeks uh, without having any kind of secondary to show for it. So that's kind of concerning. I mean, yeah. they get CELA week one. Then play Arizona, LSU, South Carolina, Alabama, Western Michigan, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, AM, Southern Miss, Ole Miss. Uh, that is a lot of passing centric teams that schedule to have no defensive backs. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's rough. I think that it's probably about six and six for them this season. I think it probably comes out in the wash to about six and six. Um, I would assume that they're going to beat Southern Miss, beat Sela, beat Arizona, and then. Uh, Arizona could be a game. Mm, no. I think they win two. I think they win two, but it could be a game. I think they have four sure-ish wins. Yeah. Like you said, Sela, Arizona, Western Michigan, Southern Miss. Yeah. And then 
they probably get South Carolina and Auburn on the road, but that's a tough road. Yeah. That's I would assume that road. they find two somewhere else. I, I think that there are Oof. there are a lot of there are a lot of winnable games. I might go that, five and seven, brother. In that slate, I mean, I think they get two of at South Carolina, at Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky at home, at Texas A and M, or Ole Miss at home. I don't think it's that hard to imagine them winning two of those games. I think I'm five and seven. I'm sorry. That's fine. I, I mean, I'm not going to really stand up and care about Mississippi State. Yeah, who problem, cares? But um, yeah, yeah. It's it's they are All they right. are definitely transitioning. They don't really have the roster for it this year. All right, let's let's start getting out of here with Ole Miss and A and M. Uh, Ole Miss places half of their coaching staff, um, <laughs> yeah. which is not not great. Uh, they hired over Chris Partridge, who went back to Michigan as a linebackers coach, uh, and they brought in Pete Golding, who. Mm-hmm. Up and down Alabama, I'll say. Up and down. Yeah. Uh, he fired Maurice Crum, who went to SMU as a linebackers coach. He also had Sam Carter walk Purdue. Um, he brought in Keniel Hudson of Western Kentucky and taking coach West Neighbors of Maryland. I don't really know much about those guys. Some fine hires, not great ones. Uh, they bring in a new line coach, probably a benefit. Uh, Jake Thornton did leave for Auburn, but I think they kind of got lucky there. They got lucky. They brought in John Karras from NC State, not like quite a bit more. Um, and then... Um, Marco Blackwell took the running back shot at AM and they brought in Kevin Smith from Miami, who had been at Ole Miss previously, mm. who I think is a good recruiter and I don't know how he's an actual coach. We'll see. But um, Blackwell's a good coach, kind of a tough loss there. Yep. Um, the offense, I'd say mostly intact. Uh, they lose backup running back Zach Evans, who is it again a dickhead, did get over a thousand yards of scrimmage last year. Yeah. Number two back behind the excellent Quinshawn Judkins. Um, Malik Heath, Jonathan Mingo, the top two receivers, those guys are both gone. Uh, and also first team All-SEC left guard and draft pick uh, is gone here as well. His name is Nick Broker. Um, he is out of there. Um, they also lose edge rusher uh, Tavius Robinson, who's a fourth-round pick, uh, their best passenger last year. But, you know, and they also lost Troy Brown, who's a dependable linebacker starter, but the whole defensive front's back besides that, and they probably get better via transfers. Yeah. Secondary gets crushed. Um, yeah. They're top two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, top two corners, Miles Bada and Davidson Abedison transferred out uh, to Utah and Ohio State, respectively. And then all three safeties are gone. Otis Reese and AJ Finley going to the league and Taishin Johnson transferring to Oregon. Um, those players aren't all awesome, but that is a lot of production to lose. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. Here's what I'll say. Uh, I, I want to go to the other parts of the offense really quick because I want to talk about the quarterback battle with you. Uh, I mentioned Broker is gone. He was a three-year starter, really good player. Um, they had two redshirt freshmen start and do pretty well with Micah Pettis and Jane Williams. Uh, center Caleb Warren is a three-year starter who's back again. Uh, Jeremy James, a player who used to be very good, they moved him. Um, th- they basically you know, moved him down from right tackle to guard. He got better, uh, which is good. Uh, James could go back outside. They basically have one competition at left guard between Washington transfer Vic Kern, a friend of the podcast, um, who had 16 career starts, our mentioned all pack 12. UAB transfer Quincy McGee with 12 career starts uh, there previously. And then Eli Acker, who started nine games over the past two years for Ole Miss, kind of in a spot role. Um, pretty good O-line. I think that's a pretty good O-line with like seven guys deep. I think that's, you know, it's a good crew. Um, tight end, uh, they have Michael Trigg back, and they added Caden Prescorn from Memphis. Yeah. That is an excellent tight end group. That is very, very good. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to play both those guys a lot more often than they used to. I think they're going to see more 12 personnel from Lane, which is kind of a change. Yeah. Um, uh, wide receiver, 
they have Mingo and Heath gone, like I mentioned. Uh, so they only have two guys back, which are Jordan Watkins and Dayton Wade. Uh, those guys combined for about 760 receiving yards last year. There were three and four options, both kind of smaller guys, but they brought in Zakari Franklin as a Z receiver of UTSA, obviously one of the best in the country, back-to-back thousand-yard receiver. Uh, and also Trey Harris, what he's going to attack. He's a little banged up, but is a very good player at like 6'2", 210. Yeah. Um, I think getting those four guys in the roster, that also they brought in true freshman Aiden Williams, who's a top 100 group with like prototype size at 6'3", 200. That is a pretty solid top five for receiver. Yeah. Um, so good about that. Running back, uh, Quinshawn Judkins, freak. He is back. Maybe the best back in America. He was 18 last year and produced 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, th- this is a thin group. They have Ulysses Bentley, who transferred here the year prior uh, from SMU. He was pretty good for the Mustangs, but he only had 73 carries on six, sorry, sorry, 73 yards and 16 carries last year. Uh, and they bring in Kedrick Riscano, who was a true freshman and top 150 player, who was the number eight running back in America. Um, only three scholarship guys. I think a pretty good three, to be fair, a really good three. Yeah, but just three of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the my the the only thought I have on all of this is, um, I we have gone back and forth so many times on Lane Kiffin on this podcast on what we think about Lane Kiffin. Um, uh, seeing it all laid out here in front of me, uh, fuck this guy. I hate this motherfucker. I'm sick of this shit. He's taking G five guys like stars, and he's not even fucking using them. What is the point? Why are you bringing in Ulysses Bentley, motherfucker? What's wrong with you? Leave him at SMU if you're not going to use him. Fuck you, asshole. What is this guy's problem? Recruit your own fucking players, dipshit. I'm sick of this guy. I I hope they lose every game. They're not going to. But I'm tired of this. This is not a serious program. Fuck these guys. I I hope they lose every game. Yeah, get his ass. Get his ass. No thank you. Um, Done with this shit. Develop your own players. Are you a football coach? What, what's the problem? What's the problem with you? Just, just I don't know if I agree with you, but I love your passion. I'm sick of it. Coach your own fucking players. Stop waiting for other schools to develop your guys and then grabbing them. It's bullshit. What's wrong? Can you not coach? Do you not know how to develop wide receivers? Why not? You're like 80 years old. Why can't you do that? God. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um. Sorry, man. Also, <laughs> the the quarterback's room makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like Jackson Dart. He was pretty good last year. I mean, he had like 3,600 yards and 21 touchdowns. He threw 11 picks, but it wasn't like obscene. They bring in Spencer Sanders, who's worse. We know more about him, and he's worse. Why is he here? Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm just accumulating guys. Just grab. It's like what they used to do before there were scholarship limits where schools would sign players who they just didn't want their rivals to have. He's not using all these guys. He's just wasting their time. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate this motherfucker. I'm sick of this shit. They brought in Jam Griffin too at running back. I'll I'll say from Oregon State. Um, he's just picking. He's getting his grubby little fingers on every other cool team on good teams that deserve to keep their players that develop their guys. And he's just reaching in. He's sending his his little messages. He's bringing in the fucking midget from Russia. I'm sick of this motherfucker. Get him out of here. <laughs> I hope he loses every game. No more of Lane Kiffin. Fuck this guy. All right. So you have the defense or no? I don't care. Go ahead. <laughs> None of my business. <laughs> Not my problem. Uh, uh, five new started secondary. They're, I, I don't know, like, Ladarius Tennyson and Aishim Young were pretty good backups. They're going to start. Uh, they have FAU transfer Tasia Young and sophomore DeMarco Williams. Probably started at uh, the third quarter spot or the third safety spot, one of those two. Um, the corners have four guys rotating. All of them are seniors. Uh, DeAndre Prince and returned back, and they brought in 
Uh, Miami of Ohio is John Sanders Jr. Georgia Tech's Amari Walton, who I actually like, and North Texas is Sean Gaddy Jr. Any thoughts on Saunders or Gaddy? What do you know it's there? Yeah, they were good players for better schools. Yeah, they were good. I liked them at one point. It was nice. It was nice Sorry. to have them. <laughs> um, I, oh, my God. Uh, we shouldn't have saved these guys for the end. I have no patience for this shit now. Ugh. All right. Well, Nasty they, uh, they have three seniors playing linebacker uh, because uh, Kari Coleman, who has been their better edge, suspended, which is a concern. Uh, so they have Ashanti Sistrunk, who's a returner, and transfers Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste of UCF, who I like quite a bit, and Monty Montgomery of Louisville, very unserious name. Yeah. Uh, those guys are kind of the starters. It also sounds like true freshman uh, Sonatarine Perkins is going to play until – No, they do have Coleman's freshmen. Back. That's cool. They, they, they recruited a high school guy. Good for them. They actually recruit pretty well, to be mm. fair. They just, well, it would be nice if they could just do that then. Them. Just do that. <laughs> You're an SEC school. Grow up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the defensive line is solid. They have Jared Ivey and Zerk Johnson back. They've been in the mix to power for a long time. Um, Isaac Ukwu is the big transfer here from James Madison. Who they got in June when they decided that they didn't have enough defensive ends. Time to go grab this guy. We don't have enough right now. Yeah. Uh, then, then three defensive tackles, too. JJ Peaks is back and two other transfers. They brought in Joshua Harris of NC State, his big nose. And Stefan Wynn of Nebraska. Um, it's a pretty deep veteran group. There's difference makers there. I kind of like them. I think it's a, it's pretty clearly behind like you know, the the big four that I mentioned of of Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, and A and M. And sorry, LSU too. So I guess big five. Uh, but they're a pretty solid group. Like one of the better D lines in the country. Um, I don't know. I think this could be a pretty good defense. I think it's probably like a, above average, uh, above average power five defense. Pretty good crew. Um, it's going to be an elite offense again. It's going to be like a top 40 defense, which is a good, enough probably to win a lot of games, probably top 10 or 15 offensive line. I think top to bottom, this is one of the better football teams in America. Uh, they have a few games that are really not going to win, but I think they can probably, probably win some ball games here. Um, yeah, the schedule, Patrick, yeah. leads off with Mercer at home, at Tulane, home against Georgia Tech. That is three wins. Yeah, it's good scouting um, opportunities for them. They get Louisiana Monroe at the end of the season, too. you gotta got to watch that one closely. Make sure you're not missing <laughs> anybody. Uh, they go at Alabama week four and home against LSU week five. Mm, they good. were losing those two. That's going to be a three and two start. Yeah. Arkansas at home is a win. That's four and two. In the bye week, we're going to Auburn. That's five and two. Uh, Lane revenge game. Uh, Vanderbilt at home is why, six wait, and two. Wait, why, why would Lane be getting revenge? He turned them down. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, he'll spin it he'll spin it um yeah that's uh that's six and two going into the final four weeks i have them beating a&m at home we'll talk about a&m in a second here i think they're a little better than a&m i think they also get them at home it's probably the difference maker uh i will take them over a&m to go seven and two then a loss to georgia and back-to-back wins against ulm and at mississippi state i think it's a nine and three ball club okay yeah, I, I have no I have no no issue with with that. I hope they go 0 and 12. That's my official stance on them. I hope they go 0 and 12. Um, All right, so we are. Let's roll through somehow an to... evil, an even more evil football program, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, uh, Joe Fisher fired Daryl Dickey. Uh, may he rest in peace. And brought him by Katrina at OC. Um, he had been Missouri State, obviously. They also fired running backs coach Tommy Robinson and brought in Markel Blackwell, who is a pretty good coach. Just talked about him. Uh, they lost co-DC and linebacker coach Tyler Santucci to be the sole DC at Duke for Mike Elko. 
and then also defensive end coach Terry Price passed away for the season. Um, and they brought in uh, two analysts and uh, Bryant Gross Armiento and Joe Schaefer uh, to work in the secondary. Um, they have a pretty weird defensive structure, which is three secondary coaches, um, co-DC Elijah Robinson handling the D-line and defensive coordinator DJ Durkin handling the linebackers. That is pretty weird. I don't really get that. Yeah. Um, why do you need three secondary coaches? What's the benefit of that? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like too many. <laughs> that seems like too many. It's too to many. That's uh, it's I, too many. One should be coaching linebackers. I think yeah. two would probably probably would get the job done. Um, that that's a lot. That's a lot of secondary. Do you have one for nickels specifically? It seems like a yeah. Little, I don't know. It seems like a little bit much. Although I, I mean, um, it's also a little much when coaches do like inside and outside receivers or inside and outside linebackers. So maybe that's what. They're yeah, doing. I guess the specific edge rusher thing is kind of makes sense. It's like guys have more stand up players, but sure. whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, what do we have here? Okay, the, the departures. Uh, they lost three players to the draft. Uh, star running back Devin Chain is the big one, but all secondary standouts Antonio Johnson and Jalen Jones are gone. A former quarterback starter, not last year, but prior years, Miles Jones transferred to Duke. Um, freshman All-SEC standouts Denver Harris and Smoke Bowie are both gone. Harris, we mentioned, is at LSU with some off-field issues. Smoke Bowie, more off-field issues and got dismissed from Georgia. We talked about him. Um, former top 100 defensive lineman Anthony Lucas off to USC. He definitely would have had a rotation role, um, and likely so would a five-star edge uh, who is a redshirt sophomore to UCLA, who is now off to Michigan State. Um, no, no big deals. I think I think they're mostly fine. Like losing those secondary players sucks, but um, the, the the front players, I don't know. It was going to be a crowded room. A lot of guys are going to play rotation stuff. I kind of get why you seek a, a more guaranteed job. I get it. Uh, Okay, offense. Haynes King is gone. Uh, he was the starting quarterback at kickoff. They tra- he transferred out. I'm he was benched the season. Yeah, and then... I'm picturing the picture where they're 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 taking down the statue. They're, <laughs> they're pulling down the giant <laughs> statue. Uh, he's been deposed. He's been deposed. Uh, they brought in. And, uh, they brought in. They, they still have Max Johnson and Connor Blackman, who are still battling not decided between them yet. Uh, this far into fall camp, uh, that is a mid off. Uh, 100. It's a definition of a mid off. Um, they also lost Matthew Wyckoff to Cal, who was like a spot starting tier at O-line. Not really a very good player, but he'd been there for a while. Um, they lost three draftees and 32 transfers. Um, I think the only players who are real contributors here were Denver Harris and Anthony Lucas, yeah. uh, because Smoke Bowie was going to play, is going to like act his way off that roster. Um, yeah, it's fine. They're fine. I think those are good talents, but they're, they're okay. I don't really work these positions very much. Uh, on the offense, the offense has... Uh, all five of their week one offensive line starters back. Uh, Bryce Foster missed most of last year to a season-ending injury. He's now back to take that key position. Um, guards, Layton Robinson and Cam Dewberry will look like very, very good players. Sunday guys, probably. Um, tackles, Trey Zoon and Ruben Feathery, Fathery, rather, were not very good. Uh, Basantis, Chase Basantis, is a, is a top 50 true freshman. Might push there in the tackle spots. And sophomore Mark Naboo appears to be kind of a swing man of the interior. I think they can be good. I think they're a little bit overhyped. They're pretty good. Um, the interior O-line is sick. Uh, the tackles have some growth to happen. Quarterback, again, mid-off, do not care. I do not care who starts. Connor Wyman, Max Johnson, don't care. Same guy, don't care. Yep. Um, the receivers, all three top receivers are back. It's probably the best receiving core they've had there since like Mike Evans was in college. Um, they have Evan Stewart, who I think was excellent as a true freshman. Uh, Moose Muhammad and Nia Smith all back. 
They tried to get Tyron Smith from UTEP, and he did come to campus. Then I mean, he went back to UTEP, which is pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, they would have liked to have had him. Not, I don't know, not much backup talent. They kind of like Noah Thomas, I guess. I don't really get why. I don't really see it. Um, tight end is good. They have Donovan Green back, and Max Wright back is behind him as well. Um, it's a a outright good group of tight ends and receivers. It's solid. Yeah. Um, running back is a concern. Uh, I will say, uh, with Devin and Shane gone, they don't really have much in the way of experience there. Uh, Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss combined for just 314 yards and one touchdown last season. They didn't really touch. They didn't really trust anyone behind a Shane to take the ball out of his hands, except Ania Smith, who played at running back sometimes. Um, Daniels was the pretty clearly the better of the two. Uh, he only played six games, still at 200 yards, which is not bad at all. His per touch numbers are pretty solid. Uh, I think that the answer here, though, is that five-star freshman Ruben Owens is gonna is gonna be the guy. He was number one running back in the class, um, kid from Texas. I think he's gonna overtake Daniels. Daniels gets a lot of touches too. Moss is kind of an also ran. Um, I like Owens a lot, but they cannot get hurt here. Cannot afford an injury whatsoever. Yeah. Um, look, the offense that and that worked so it, well for them last season. <laughs> having one guy yeah well i don't think a chain was the problem no that's the that's the thing is you when you only have one guy you can't afford anybody to get hurt and you also only have one guy which is you know yeah what are you gonna do uh, uh i'll say look here look the offense like all the personnel don't really matter that much because the only thing is is Bobby petrino going to run the offense or jimbo fisher it was petrino they have a chance he also like i mean he needs to develop the O-line and needs to get good quarterback play, both of which are not guarantees at all. But even just the play calling growth would be massive for them, right? Like just better play calling is a big deal. Um, but I don't know. We don't know if he's going to run the offense. We don't know what Jimbo's going to do. No one does. I don't think Jimbo knows. Yeah. Um, if Jimbo keeps it again, they're fucked. They're going to be another bad offense. If it's Petrino, this team could like win nine games, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, my, my prediction and like you said, nobody knows. Jimbo might not even know. Um, I would be shocked if this offense is competent. I think they're going to be pretty bad again. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for thinking that. Maybe I have more trust for some reason. Um, I don't even really think that Bobby Petrino is going to make the offense better if he gets the chance to call it. Their quarterback sucks and their line sucks. There's nothing here. I don't think their line sucks. I think the interior line is very good. I think the tackles are suspect, but you can work around tackles more than interior line problems. Yeah. I, I think um, you're going to need to, I think they're going to need to be able to pass the ball if they want to succeed. And I don't think they're going to be able to pass the ball, even with really good receivers. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that the, the first two parts of the three part thing that is passing the ball are going to be bad on this team. I get it. I get it. Um, here's the point of growth. This team, hmm. uh, their D line was like, Pretty pedestrian last year. That's a, that's a bad at times. Yeah, they were 82nd in line yards, 58th in stuff rate, 83rd in sack rate, and 112th in average yards per carry allowed. Insane. And also 107th in sacks produced. How did they even? Um, how did they that, even do that? How do you do that with the number of five stars that they that they had? I mean, yeah, I think the answer is they were all true freshmen. They kind of take their lumps and learn, yeah. but it still has to be better than that. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, why Clemson's O line is overrated? Or Clemson's D line is overrated this year. A lot, of, a lot of freshmen play. Everyone just thinks they're going to be great immediately. Mm-hmm. Not a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, they do have former veteran or former blue chippers and veteran players, McKinley Jackson, Shamar Turner, Fadil Diggs, all back. Those guys were all pretty good last season. They're all money years. Um, they have six super sophomores in the all-time best recruiting class, which is their 2022 class. 
Now thinking about key roles, uh, there are five stars, Walter Nolan and Shamar Stewart, uh, fellow former five. Those guys are going to be like really key roles this year. Uh, Gabriel, Brownlow, Dindy, and LT Overton are also going to be in rotation roles. Top 100 recruits by White and Malik Silla are kind of ready to do the same defensive end. And then five-star DJ Hicks joins the crew. Um, with veterans, I'd say Riggs and Albert Regis there forever, who are also rotation players. That is a deep, nasty, talented line. Like, I think it's, I, I think as I was going to enter year two, it's going to be a very, very good group. I, I feel pretty good about that, honestly. Sure. Um, my opinion. Yeah. Um, the linebackers, they are... They lose a lot of depth, but the starters are both back. Edger and Cooper and Chris Russell are both back here. I like them a lot. I like them well enough to say. Uh, Marshall Harris is back. He's pretty decent. They brought in Jackson State transfer, J.D. Davis, um, who was a really impressive player. And I think he might be able to push uh, Russell for starter reps, I guess. So something to watch. Yep. Um, their safeties are both back with Jared, Jarden Gilbert and Damani Richardson. Uh, and they have two really good sophomores, uh, Jacoby Matthews and Jared Kerr, who pretty good when they filled in. Then the star here is their nickel player, Rice Anderson. Uh, he's their, their their nickel corner. He is a stud. I like him a lot. I think between like Denver Harris and all the pub last year, but between Smoke Bowie, Denver Harris, and Bryce Anderson, I think Anderson's the best of the three. Um, he is fantastic. Safety's a big strength here. Corner, you know, we'll see. Like I said, Jones and Johns are off the NFL. The other Jones transferred. Harris, Smoke Bowie transferred. Um, Anderson's now at nickel uh, from safety, which is nice. Uh, Tyreek Chapel saw the field a bunch last year. He was just okay. Um, Deuce Harmon started three games. He's probably like one of the key returning players. Um, they brought in former five-star North Carolina corner, Tony Grimes, who started there for three years. It was pretty inconsistent to the least, but did show physical talent. And then they also brought in Florida State transfer, Sam McCall, and true freshman Bravian Rogers, with were top 100 players. There's enough talent here at its corner. Like The corner is kind of like running back, where I think freshman can just play in this system especially it's just like man coverage um they can figure the corner out if they do that this defense is sick sure yeah i i don't i don't disagree with any of that do you want to look at the schedule yeah i suppose we should let's get the fuck out of here dude yeah. what's, what's the timestamp? i'm afraid to tell you <laughs> just tell me just tell me three hours and eight minutes wow yeah well let's hit let's hit four uh-huh. um well big ten's coming up so <laughs> this the schedule I think they have five wins throughout the season here. They get New Mexico, Miami, Louisiana Monroe, Auburn, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Miami is actually a tough game. Miami's kind of just like a weaker version of, of Texas A&M, though. I don't really see it with them. Yeah. But I like Miami this year, relatively speaking. Uh, that's like a eight-win ball club, probably. Yeah. Um, but I think they win. I think they win. I think that's five in our start. Okay. Yeah. This is honestly, for us SEC West team, this is a fairly easy schedule as I as I look at it. Yeah, the crossover is being I mean Tennessee's a tough crossover, but South Carolina is nice to get. Yeah. Um yeah, five and oh. Um then they play Alabama and Tennessee. Uh it's five and two. Yeah, it's not one of those two. games. Five and two. Um maybe this is a year where they beat Alabama and then lose a, stu- a stupid one, like they lose to Arkansas the week before or something. Um that 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 could I would be, love that. That would be yeah. funny. Uh but yeah, I think I think it's five and two heading into the last five, which is South Carolina at home at Ole Miss, Mississippi State at home, Abilene Christian at home, and then at LSU. Um probably two more losses in there. Maybe at Ole Miss and I LSU. think I think basically like they have guaranteed losses to me to Alabama, Tennessee, and LSU. Yeah. In between Ole Miss, Miami and like maybe Arkansas, they find a way to lose a fourth one and go eight and four. Sure. Yep. I I think that's I think that's fine. Probably eight and four. 
would be really cool if the offense was a disaster and they went six and six. That would be that would be fun. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I do yeah, think the well, offense is going to be bad, but I don't think it's going to be a disaster. Maybe it's better next year. Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. They're probably going to get it all, all right. figured out next year. Um, okay, let's. Well, get... Pat, that was the podcast. That was the podcast. Uh, I think there are, are three title contenders here in this team. If Alabama figures its shit out, so it's probably not. It's probably two teams. I think they have two title contenders in Georgia and LSU. Uh, two New Year's Six teams in Bama and Tennessee, and two other, two to three other like very quality teams in Ole Miss, A and M, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they have thirteen teams that will be forgiven at God's gate, and then they, I think they have one school that should actually be tried at the Hague <laughs> uh, and should be sent away forever, and will eventually, someday, uh, Lord willing, feel the sweet embrace of death and will go directly to. Uh, hell i think they'll go straight to hell that's and so true everyone involved yeah. at the university will go straight to hell and frankly everyone who lives in the state will go straight to hell it's just how it is unfortunately i don't make the rules i just enforce and support them ryan uh we'll be back who knows sometime sometime soon god damn it dude we should have reports uh who knows we'll figure it out we'll figure yeah. it out uh, this i gotta get this big 10 shit done i'm fucked yeah well we'll catch you guys then